Hey there, friends. It's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. I'm Sailor, and I was going to try and wear my Stormtrooper helmet for the entire show, but that didn't happen. Hey guys, how's it going? Once again, I see that we are all together, and tonight we have a super special guest with us. Holla! It's Scotch Trooper! Yeah! Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! (laughs) (laughs) Well, this show and our guest tonight is indeed special. For anyone new to the show... Uh, we typically don't understand the word typically, and typically we do compare <laughs> two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, argue, very unprofessionally debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme. We're kind of going to do that tonight. Kind of. Kind, kind of, Jake. Well, we'll be talking about two artists tonight. One is our guest of honor, of course, and his incredible art. And the other is the band Tool, as yes. requested. Yes. Yes, as requested by Scotch Trooper himself. All right. And we'll get into the both of those discussions in a moment. And let's just add that when we asked the Trooper what band he would like to discuss, I mean, without even hesitation, it was Tool that he chose. <clears throat> Thank goodness. I think, uh, I think I've been requesting Tool since we started this podcast. I'm glad finally somebody held more weight than me. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for the right moment. <laughs> Enjoy it, Jake. Enjoy it. <laughs> I, I am. And uh, and just as important in this show, whiskey is a huge topic, and tonight we will each be discussing our whiskey of choice for the show instead of a single whiskey segment. Again, typical. <laughs> <laughs> with that said, what is everybody drinking tonight? How about we start with our guest? I am drinking uh, the Compass Box Fimonacci. Yeah, that's a good word. (laughs) It must be good. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Phenomenology. (laughs) Say that that ten times fast. Phenomena. (laughs) I have not tried that one, and I have tried most of the Compass Box, I think. Um, that I could get my hands on, but that one I have not had. It's quite, it's quite glorious. So what they did, they, so they did, um, kind of along the lines of, um, Glenn Livett with the code. Um, and they released this, um, with no tasting notes. They gave no, um, breakdown as to what casks were included. Um, they wanted everyone to experience it on their own and come up with their own tasting notes before, uh, they released it. Um, (laughs) They say it's the study of consciousness and the objects of um, direct experience to encourage people to experience whiskey without preconceptions. Hmm. And I, oh. and awesome. that's exactly the reason why I chose it with Tool. I mean, just, just the perfect combo. Yeah. Oh, God, that is so perfect. Right? Wow. Well, you, you, you do realize that you actually just crushed a whiskey segment. Right there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just go back to the original edit. Crush. You just totally <laughs> crushed everything we've ever done. And I thought I was pretty up there with my rush tasting because I got really like. Oh, that was epic. Fancy, yeah, that was nice. But thanks. You just showed me up. It's awesome. Cool. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's why you are the Scotch Trooper. 
What do you do? What do you do most Wednesday nights? <laughs> hey! <laughs> I'll be right Thank here. You. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's going next? Edward. Oh, I'll jump oh. in there. <laughs> well, as probably the most novice scotch drinker in the group here, um, I actually purchased my first bottle of scotch ever for this episode. Yes. Um, I did a little bit of research, asked asked around a little bit, and it seemed like Monkey Shoulder kept coming up. Uh, so that's what I bought. And according to the bottle, this Monkey Shoulder is a small batch of blended three Speyside single malts. And um, I must say, for being a bourbon drinker, the scotch um, is actually very nice. I'm really enjoying the uh, the taste on this. Yay! I knew you would like it's that one. Got a little bit of a sweetness to it, but not not overly so. Um, you can really taste the barrel in this one. Um, the color it's a little bit lighter than your typical bourbon, but um, yeah, I'm uh, really enjoying it. Glad I why picked it, this up, and it was a decent it price point shoulder. too. It was like thirty two bucks. Yeah, it's a great gateway scotch. I mean. I, my go-to is always, I mean, you guys know what I always say, the, the Glenfiddich 12-year, but Monkey Shoulder is, I think, great for bourbon drinkers to try to get into scotch. I always think it's a good bourbon gateway. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got, you know, a master blender behind that. So anyone, you know, we've, we discussed this on our last show, any of the right. ooh, blended, we can really go F yourself, in my opinion. And that's a perfect example <laughs> of why. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, when you're starting with uh, Balvini, Glenfiddich, and Kennedy, I mean, I mean, talk about building blocks right there. Seriously, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. That just, that's the middle finger to the whole blended bullshit thing. That's what I always say, like, have you heard of these brands? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, now yeah. shut up. That's it. Mic <laughs> drop, nothing else to say. Indeed. <laughs> why, why is it called monkey shoulder? Oh, don't we tell you? That's a great story. That's why I asked. I was hoping somebody would tell me. (laughs) Tell us. Okay, so, well, you guys know that I pour pour this stuff, um, and people ask me all the time, and when I'm in a, um, so I do a lot of events where there's, you know, 20 to 30 tables full of whiskey, and I don't know if you guys have done these, sometimes liquor stores, the large liquor stores will hold these events, but you only get to visit so many tables, you only get so many pours. Or the time frame is so short, you can only get so many samples. So, I mean, when I'm standing at the William Grant and Sons table, of course, I'm going to be pretty popular because I've got Balvany and Glenfiddich, but I also have Monkey Shoulder there. And so a lot of times I'll get a crowd around me, and the bigger crowd you have, the more people want to come over, you know. So, And I'm telling the story of Monkey Shoulder, and everybody gets, like, super excited. So um, in the days past... Long time ago, um, and some distilleries still do this. Just couldn't resist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just laid that out there. So, uh, some uh, distilleries and malt houses still do it this way. But you're malting the the to, to get your barley malted. It goes on the floor actually, and they have the would have these brick ovens that were very low to the floor. And I say they're like pizza ovens. If you've never seen this before, that's kind of what it looks like to me. And so you're up to your knee, sometimes your thigh. If it's me, you're up to your boobs because I'm short. 
um, in Malta in barley, and your and the floor is getting heated up. It's all brick, and so you have these huge wide rakes, and you're raking the barley. And what you're doing is you're opening it up so that you can get um, that barley to open up. And we use the barley for fermentation, of course. So um, you want mm -hmm. to germinate. So. This is, this is very hard work, and so imagine you're hunched over. Like, I usually do it in front of people. It's kind of this is interesting to explain it just, uh, you know, without visual, but you're hunched over and you're pushing a rake, let's say. It's almost like a push broom, but you're going back and forth, right? And you're doing that for probably 12 hours, six days a week. What's going to happen to your body at that point? So one shoulder is going to hang lower, and your arms both, you're going to be a little hunched, but it's more that your arms are hanging lower. And so in villages, people could tell who worked in the malt houses or on the malting room floors because they had a monkey shoulder. And so, um, so William Grant and Sons decided that they wanted to name uh, monkey shoulder, give it that title as um, an homage to those poor men that were walking around with monkey shoulders. <laughs> Gotcha. That's where it comes from. Well, that's uh, awesome. Very interesting. Good story. How about you, Matt? Well, you enjoying this evening. Oh, I'm enjoying it. All right. Um, to me, anyway, personally, my feelings is that Tool is a band that can get overlooked sometimes. So I had to go with something that I feel is a range that gets overlooked sometimes. And to me, that's the Glendronic mm. range of whiskeys. So I have Glendronic 15-year Tawny Port finish. Uh, it's a Highland single malt. Like I said, finished in Tawny Port barrels. Uh, the first thing I wrote down about this after tasting it was it could either be a dessert whiskey or it could be a breakfast whiskey. This thing <laughs> is bold. It's bold and sweet. Uh, I could see pairing it with any sort of you know, really sweet dessert chocolate. Uh, but it also has it's good coffee notes, toffee, a little maple syrup, which make it a good breakfast whiskey as well. Uh, unfortunately, it was delicious. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, it was launched in 2011, and unfortunately, it's not available anymore, this particular 15-year uh, cask finish. But it's so good. I mean, if you see Glendronic on the shelf, whether it be the 12-year, 15-year, 21-year Parliament, which is also fantastic. Uh, I would definitely suggest picking it up. Um, but, you know, with its Highland contemporaries, I don't definitely don't think it gets enough love. But, uh, yeah, Glendronic 15-year Tawny Port finish. Did you say they just announced the uh, the new 15-year Glendronic coming out? Is it the peated one, or is that the... Uh, no, I think it's... Because they have a peated one now. No. I think it's, it's the Revival. Um, the, the one that... The Revival. Com yeah, it comes okay. out, like, every four years, I believe. Okay, I'm pretty stoked. That's in for the that one. that's in the green that's in the green tube or yeah yeah yep yeah okay all right solid brand solid yep sounds delicious yeah, I was gonna say I think you just sold a few of those <laughs> if you can if you if you can find them though I mean if, you know the yeah, 15 year tawny but yeah I just ordered it's funny I just ordered a sample of the revival that just came out I'm excited to taste it. Very excited. Well, Jake. shall I go next? Well, yeah, go for it. So, sadly for me, I'm away from my bottles because I'm still in the Pacific Northwest temporarily. And um, um, so I only brought a certain amount of bottles. 
of bottles with me. Um, and so I'm going to do it this way. <clears throat> if I was at home with my bottles, I would have picked the Glenfiddich Experimental Series number one. That's what I would have gone with to go with Tool. Because I remember, I, it, it, I was trying to think of what did I think of Tool when I first heard them back in the 90s they were so unusual so different the you know i mean it was it was so kind of mind blowing in a way because they were just so unique and how did i feel about that and i'm newer on my scotch journey although i've been drinking whiskey for a million trillion years and working in the whiskey industry as we all know scotch is very new to me um the experimental series number 1 for me i think would pair best with this band. But since I don't have that with me, I'm drinking my Glenfiddich 12 year, um, the traditional signature malt, which I absolutely adore. Um, and I still think it's a great scotch for tonight as we all decided we were going to drink scotch because we have the scotch trooper with us. Right and I have a question <laughs> since the listeners can't see us, who is wearing a star Wars Esque T-shirt. Oh, always. <laughs> oh, Brett, definitely. Matt, I am. No, got my got Jake? my Death Star on. My kids. Oh, my nice. Kids are, Ooh, my, like the my the boys. Boy, uh, Leia, nice. My boys have tons of Star Wars stuff, and I, I love. I I don't own any Star Wars T-shirts, <laughs> see, but I, I also see. I went. I went with the I Rangers really, hat, which is yeah, I'll yeah. Be equally honest, as important. Yeah, much much appreciated. Yeah. Yes. I don't. I don't own a lot of shirts like that, anyways. And mine is a um, a combo of Star Wars and Pulp Fiction. I love it. Nice. I saw that. I, I love that shirt. shirt. I've seen that online. Awesome. Mine is a combo of David Bowie and Leia, which I love, and it says "Rebel, Rebel" on there in both meanings. So, well, the other shirt I almost wore tonight was also a mashup. It was my um, Motorhead T-shirt, which was Anchorhead. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You'd think I would have a lot of those shirts. We we go to Disney every year, and we used to go the first week of May, and so we were always there for May the fourth. Oh, nice! And and my, I mean, my nephews are huge Star Wars fans, and and I, I mean, I always really loved it, and so we would go do all the festivities and stuff. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I don't buy clothes. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what you're getting for Christmas, Jake. Mean, my wife buys all my clothes. So. Meanwhile, my <laughs> wife is like, right, you really need to start to, uh, getting rid of your t-shirts because it's just star, it's just Star Wars t-shirts. All no, never, yeah. don't do yeah, it. Never. Sorry to yeah. your wife. Patreon but don't do something, it. Something with the something with the, something with the wives and the screen printed t-shirts. I don't know what it is. You know, it's not. Hello, it's not just wives. Jen's always like, got to get rid of half of these right now. So where's your where's your Tatooine shirt you were wearing earlier, Matt? That's the one shirt I have, and I wore it yesterday. So, uh, okay, yeah. In good, in good conscience, <laughs> in good conscience, in Florida heat, I couldn't wear it again. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Pause for a second because it's not just the wives. Let me tell you, fellas, that my ex-husband had a problem with me wearing all my t-shirts all the time he's like do you have anything other than concert t-shirts or star wars or marvel t-shirts and i'm like no no i don't nope <laughs> i have a collection of like 
50 or something shirts. Nope, that's what I have. Deal with it. Or whiskey shirts. He's like, again with the bourbon shirts? Yep, again with the bourbon shirts. <laughs> See, I'm always, I'm always one extreme or the other. I have something like this. It's just a plain, you know, T-shirt. Or my shirts will be, expl- you know, explicit. Like I... <laughs> They'll have an F word or something or a shocker symbol or just something ridiculous just to just to get people's attention. To- and totally just- no middle ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, that's pretty. That's cool. Jake. No middle that's- ground. No middle ground, Jake. That's your new nickname. Like <laughs> Troopers just hitting it out of the park tonight. Fuck me. What am I doing here? The rest of the rest of the show is me crap, but you know we're good. The very yeah. the very first holiday I ever went to. So I with when I first started dating my wife when I mean I was eighteen and she was seventeen and uh, but her family I just I got the vibe like as soon as I met them I mean they were just rambunctious as hell and and so I wore this T-shirt that had a light bulb on it and underneath it it says uh, I'm a fucking genius and I put a flannel over it and then we're all at the dinner table and this is her family's Christmas dinner and I haven't met like almost any of these people i've met like five of them i just while no one was kind of paying attention i just kind of slipped my flannel off and put it over my chair and just kept eating like nothing was going on and just one at one after another i saw him kind of like nudging going like like pointing over to me like <laughs> and then finally her one aunt that's just you know nutty as can be is like that's the fucking funniest shit i've ever seen <laughs> can't believe you wore that to christmas <laughs> meanwhile I, I wore a rage against the machine t-shirt to my aunt's house and they're super catholic and religious yes and uh it was uh guns with nuns or yeah. nuns with guns sorry so nuns like guns, four yeah. four nuns holding shotguns and it was underneath the flannel as well and i unbuttoned it because it was getting hot and took it off and she pulls me aside and she just she's like <laughs> brett we haven't stopped praying for you <laughs> you know when you guys tell these stories i think to myself am i that rambunctious aunt quote unquote am i that like what kind of the aunt am i and i'll tell you that so as i've been in the pacific northwest here my sister lives here with her kids and the two oldest are 14 and when I first, I, I would ask them all the time, I mean, we do regular FaceTimes and, you know, what kind of music are you into? What are you guys listening to? Because by 14, I was music obsessed. And they would just be like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. You know, they didn't really have any preferences. Well, since I've been here with them, every time we get in the car, I'm playing music and I will quiz them. I'll be like, who is this? Who's the drummer? Who's the guitar player? And they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, figure it out or you don't get french fries. No, not really. But, <laughs> So the other day, no, my, <laughs> my stepdad was splitting wood and he, the, the two oldest boys, the 10 year old and the 14 year old came over to help and they have their own little like Bluetooth speaker and they put it on ACDC and they were all like proud because my stepdad's a total, you know, classic rock, heavy metal music listener. And so now they're like totally into it. So they're sending me text messages and Snapchats and they're like, wait, what's the band that played this song that I liked? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm that aunt. All right. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) All right. So I actually, uh, Jacob, did you talk about your whiskey? I I didn't, but clearly you you forgot me. (laughs) That's why I just said, Jacob, did you talk about your whiskey? What are you drinking, Jake? Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm on to, it's so funny because this, 
I'm drinking the scotch, and uh, you know, I'm so used to drinking like 120 proof and higher whiskeys all the time because that's really my lane is is barrel strength stuff, and this stuff is just so light. <laughs> I mean, at like 80, 90 proof, it's crazy. This is really easily drinkable. My pound down a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it goes down real easy. <laughs> but uh, I had a buddy of mine hook me up with a couple of good pours uh, for for tonight's episode, and I'm I started with a uh, we were discussing ahead of time. We all kind of had our own way of pronouncing it, but a Bunahaben twenty five year is what I started with. What a, what a starting point. I know. He's like, I just didn't eye roll, just so everybody knows. I totally eye rolled. I, I, I started with that one because it came in a cool box. So I was like, oh, this one must be good. Well, not to mention the 25-year label. Nice well, box. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, in my opinion, you sh- you're supposed to start with the best stuff and work your way backwards from there. Because why, you you know, why save the best stuff for last? Drink it, drink it first when you can taste it. But it's like the T-shirts. It's all or nothing, right? It's all or nothing, yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I just moved on to, I've never heard of this before, but this bottle actually. So my my buddy just gave me. We had lunch last week, and he just gave me four bottles that were like a quarter left, and just told me to just finish them off and give him back the bottle so he can make candles out of them. But uh, this bottle, funny story, uh, in our group. I, uh, I I did a giveaway for a Four Roses pick a while back, and that buddy won it. So it was free. Just put it up in the group for free, and he won it. Well, then somebody else put this bottle up in the group for free, and I won it. And so I just <laughs> gave it to him, and he hadn't opened that Four Roses pick that he won for me, so he just gave it back to me. So clean trade. <laughs> so this was a uh, – this is – it's called The Monumental – Blended Scotch whiskey, thirty years, age thirty years. It's uh, from Alexander Murray and Co. And uh, oh wow, you guys, nobody. <laughs> this is incredible. If you can't tell my sarcasm, <laughs> this was a 2015 double gold in San Francisco. Nobody gets double Whoa. gold in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. No wonder why it's monumental. <clears throat> It's good though. <laughs> what, what what's that bottle that's that? Awesome. What's that? What's that bottle that? Uh, forty percent is it? Yes. Yep. Okay. I've got their monumental. I think fifteen year. It's pretty good. Neither of these are. Uh, um, I'm not a big fan of the of the peaty stuff. At least what I've tried, and I, I know what I've tried is kind of in that real peaty spectrum of like the Lafroig and and that I'm I just I just can't get down with it. I've tried a few times. I kind of try to go back to it every now and then just to see if maybe my palate's changed at all. Um, I will say the one other Scotch that I um, have probably drank the most of. Because uh, it was always a good fallback if you were at a bar and they didn't have good bourbon, they'd always have like a Dalmore Twelve Year or something. That was always uh, a good pour that I could enjoy. <clears throat> um, but these are very, very light. It, it's it, it's funny that you say that, Jake, because when <clears throat> when I started my my Scotch journey, which was forced upon me because I had to actually all of a sudden pour Scotch for the public and talk about it and. Um, 
break it apart and be excited about it. And I won't do that if I don't genuinely like it. And Matt, you remember this most because you were the only scotch drinker in the group at the time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't not do anything that had any peat in it. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like it's a, it's lemon pledge. It's a wet, dirty sock. It's a, it's a doused campfire. Who the hell a band-aid. wants it? It's a, yeah, it's a <clears throat> bandaid. It's a dirty sponge. Like who mm-hmm. wants the fuck wants to drink this? Well, so um, <clears throat> one of my favorite right now and probably until I really develop a palate for it, I feel like peated whiskey is something you have, I don't know, maybe being a bourbon drinker for so long it kind of changes that, but it's been a real struggle to develop a palate for that, but what helped me was um, the Balvany Peat Week. Oh my God. It's such yeah, a perfect a- gateway to peat. Because yep. it's so light, it's so mm. subtle, and it's that Highland peat. So I, you know, I did a ton of research on where peat comes from and the different varieties <laughs> of peat and the different flavors. And I, I do think you can develop a palate for peat because now I'll, I'll, I'm not ready for peat monsters yet. But and still, you know, Isla peats are a little like I'm gonna need an ice cube for that. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna need to just I'm gonna, and I'm, and I can't drink anything after it. Um, but it's, you can definitely get there for sure. Um, and I've noticed since it's so funny because when I worked at a, an American whiskey distillery and I was at, I was at the tasting bar, a lot of people would ask me about peat cause they don't, most of the general public don't understand that that's not an American at the moment. Actually, I shouldn't say at the moment. Um, that's not a bourbon thing. Um, I would explain to them, you know, typically if you don't like IPAs, you're really not going to like peated whiskey, which I would read so much research on and was very common. And now all of a sudden I'm able to drink a lot more hoppy beer. Hmm. And, it, and so I think hmm, yeah. it's a very, it's a similar, it's like a palate connection there. Really? I've, I've noticed that totally, too. Totally, totally. Because I'm not an IPA guy either. No, me either. <laughs> That's weird because I, I love peated whiskey, but I can't stand IPA. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm ready to drink IPA yet, but I've definitely gone, I've definitely been gone towards more hoppy whiskey, but it depends. Okay. So just like the peat, there's the Highland peat and there's the Isla peat and there's so many different peats that we don't quite understand. So, oh, it's peaty, it's smoky. Um, The same with hops. There's Cascade hops and there's so many different Mm -hmm. hops and it's very, yeah, yeah, so it's very similar to the different types of heat. So there's like more chill, mellow hops and then there's the like. Lemon Pledge hops, where I really feel like I just, you know, drank a bottle of Lemon Pledge. Um, but it, it's interesting. But there are you know. there are those gateway there are those gateway peated whiskeys that you can try if you're afraid <laughs> to take that jump. They yeah. exist. So absolutely, yeah. Hi, I mean, to yeah. me, I always say like Highland, Highland, Highland. Go for the Highland peat. That's well, like the smoothest of all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of assuming that. Uh, there's a one by Compass Box called the Peat Monster, which sounds like it would be like peated to the max. Ultra but I actually yeah. tried that, and that's one of the the scot the very few scotches I've actually tried that I enjoyed. Um, despite the name, I didn't think it was. It seemed I remember it being actually sort of a a light fruity uh, yeah. taste to it. Um, but Brett, um, I'm curious to know um, as as a scotch novice here myself um how long have you been to the scotch and what kind of was your gateway to scotch uh my gateway to scotch was actually um a rush concert 
um, oddly, <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice tie-in, right? Um, yeah. Very good. Very good. But no, Not rush fancy. Yeah. So no, I, I was into uh, teas, cigars, like just multiple different things at the time. Um, and a buddy of mine was like, "You really need to get into whiskey." I was like, "I really don't need another <laughs> crutch right now." Um, and uh, don't need it. Yeah. So. Uh, Manager of mine at the time, I was working in Nashville, um, offered us uh, tickets to um, Rush concert because he couldn't go. It was box seats, free parking, free everything. And then we saw whiskey on the wall. We're like, well, we're not paying for anything else. Might as well um, start and try it. And so it was uh, Glenlivet uh, 12 year. Um, nice. And I, I, same one. I still was kind of confused as, as to what was going on in my mouth, but I knew I liked it. Um, and so I, I definitely wanted to, to jump into it a little bit more. And the next day I bought a bottle of, um, Glenfiddich 12 year. Um, and then that's kind of when I started Scotch Trooper. Um, I wanted, I knew there was an online community that was, uh, sharing tasting notes and, and sending samples and all that and sharing knowledge. And I just really just wanted to get involved, but I wanted to have a screen name that said that I was interested in scotch, but also was cheeky enough that no one took me seriously because I didn't really knew nothing. Um, and sure. so that's where I combined the, the star Wars in there as well. Um, and really, um, from there, it was just kind of trying different things here and there. Uh, but the, I think I went from the Glenfiddich 12 to the Avalor 12, um, and I was like, and with that little bit of a sherry influence, I was like, oh, okay, now now I see where this is going. Yeah. Um, and then and then had then had the Belvini twelve year double wood, and I was like, oh crap. Mm, God, that's, <laughs> see, that's like that's ugh. such a good that's a good such a great progression that you did oh, with your palate. Yeah. yeah. Because you went from where I that was my gateway whiskey too was Glenlivet twelve year with the green fruit, and it was mm-hmm. just nice and light. And progress to like okay sherry finish okay you get all this different the different layers of, of dried fruit and and everything else so you just build from there and that's fantastic. And then I yeah. uh, a couple of bottles after that I was like okay let me try peated whiskey and I was like yep. and I did, did the uh, Lafrag um, quarter cask just grabbed it off the shelf. I was like, Whoa. okay, th- this is happening. And I got home. I was like, oh, nope, <laughs> this yeah, sucks. <laughs> that's, that's oh. how I felt. But I don't head first, but I had, I had no knowledge as to why it tasted like a burnt bandaid in my glass. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> went from all you, the you sweetness and richness. The definition of phenol. Yeah. <laughs> so I put it, I put it away. I did my research trying to figure out why, you know, it, it tasted so bad. Um, and then uh, it, it was probably about four months later, we were taking a trip to Florida. And I, and I was like, if I'm going to enjoy this anywhere, it's going to be on the beach. Um, and so with that knowledge and with it sitting for a bit and sitting there on the ocean um, and taking a sip, I was like, okay, now I can do this. And then from there on, I just have been a peat head ever since. Isn't that amazing how knowledge can change your palate? How, and right. we talked about this recently about, um, and and you touched upon this in the compass box, how you can influence, which it, it's, it's, I do it all the time and taste things purposely, how you can influence 
influence people's tastes and your own tastes with knowledge or with someone saying, oh, I taste this, this, and this. Because when I would be at the tasting bar at the distillery, I would say, and I would guide people through this and say, well, now you'll be getting hints of brown sugar and stone fruits. And they'd be like, oh, yes, I taste that. I'm like, of course you do. I'm telling you that you taste that. But the point is, is that if you get it, it's such a great example. If you're new to a whiskey, you get a whiskey, read about it. Because that might enlighten your palate and make make that brain connection that you need. Certainly, yes. I I needed that with peated whiskeys, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting pretty good. I'm tasting some pretty heavily peated whiskeys, and I'll read about them, <laughs> and I will watch some of the YouTube videos of some of the greats that are talking about tasting it. And I'm like, okay, I taste that now. I needed that. I needed that influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ralphie, I, I've been loving. Um, listening to Ralphie, he's kind of been my mentor. Um, oh the, yeah, yeah. the the amount of, the amount of knowledge that guy has and the love for whiskey is just it's it's, it's infectious. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's been so many times where I've run into people um, and tried to explain what I've been doing um, with whiskey, and they're like, "Oh, I, I I can't handle whiskey." I was like, "Well, tell me your experience. Like, are you talking about like you drank a half a bottle of wild turkey when you were twelve? Like." <laughs> um, and then, and, and usually it's because they tasted a peated, peated whiskey and they had no idea what was going on. I'm like, okay, there's a whole different world out there that you haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. Now for, uh, for, for the, for the bourbon log over here that when you say Ralphie, all, all I can think about is Christmas story. And how, <laughs> Ralphie, who, who is, who is this, uh, Ralphie that you speak of? So he's, he, he's a, uh, a YouTube, um, legend, uh, in the whiskey world. Um, oh. yeah. I mean, the, the, his, his videos. He's not that are, guy are, that like sp- that spits it out and he's all like super funny. Oh no, no that's, that's, that's Patterson. Yeah. That's, that's the nose. Yeah. He's, he's with Dalmore actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That guy's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I the, saw one of his videos. Richard Patterson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Richard yeah with, the, with the mustache. Yeah. And the, yeah. yeah. And he, yeah, he yeah. tosses he's, it back on the he's floor. He's a cartoon. Yeah. He's a cartoon oh, character. Man. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have yeah. seen him in person when I lived in the UK. I, I had pay, paid really? a shit ton of money to see. And <laughs> I wasn't even a whi- into whiskey at the time. And some, I think it was some cute guy that I liked convinced me with his british accent i'm like all right i'll buy any tickets you say fine um and i was so entertained and so amused and i didn't even i I was a whiskey drinker but not you know into it yet and oh my god he's amazing so and yeah you guys um listeners out there we have so many whiskey novices that are listeners which is so freaking awesome i love it because they contact us and tell us how much they learn which is so great Definitely check out um, Richard <laughs> Richard Patterson, yeah. who's known as the News, <laughs> and Ralphie, obviously. Ralphie, I would love to get a malt mention sometime. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh my god! Can you? <laughs> so what is it? To Ralph is Ralphie's channel just is it just YouTube yeah. Ralphie? Yep. yep. Yeah, basically with an F, not a PH. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll put oh, a link yeah. on our. We'll I put discovered him probably a little over a year ago. He, I, he actually has some bourbon reviews yeah. too. Yep. He yeah. does all whiskeys, not just mm-hmm. Scotch. He also does Irish whiskeys and some bourbons too. Um, he lives on the Isle of Man, actually. But uh, yeah, he's pretty, uh, pretty interesting to listen to. Well, to bring this back around, pretty much the only thing I use YouTube for is to watch like. Uh, 
review videos and Easter egg and conspiracy theory videos for Marvel and Star Wars movies. So <laughs> brings brings it right back around. Right, right, that's pretty right, much right. that's pretty much what YouTube is for me. <laughs> so let's take a moment, guys. Now we should probably introduce our guests a little more formally. And um, those listeners who don't know who Scotch Trooper is, which shame on you. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little more about you, Brett, as Scotch Trooper. Let's start Hi. with, um, so we all, and I know you from your Instagram account, and I wish it would be, it would be bad, but it'd be kind of cool if you could look at like, maybe this exists and I don't know about it. I don't think so. Look at like who was your first couple of followers and all of that stuff like early in the days. Because I've been following you for a long time, like long before I realized there was a whiskey community on oh, really? Instagram. Because I just decided to do like some hashtags of things that I was interested in. And I put in Star Wars, Marvel. I probably put in British tea, Anglophile, <laughs> whiskey, and shoes or something stupid. I don't know. Lips, red lipstick. I don't know. You got and me on the shoes. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Top videos. <laughs> Metal, rock, you know, shit like that. So uh, so there's a lot of accounts that I've been following for a long time. And then at some point, the more you follow, the more it all gets lost. Um, but your posts would come up a lot. And then when I actually um, got heavily involved in podcasts, I, I had mentioned, I think it was about, maybe about a year and a half ago, to another podcast that I was aff- affiliated with, like, hey, we should interview this guy because, like, have you seen his shit? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, tell the listeners, how did your Instagram start? Um, okay. So, I don't know, to be honest. Like, it, it was it, it was seriously, like, the whole thing has been organic. Um, there, It was never, like, a point where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I never had, like, an end goal. Um, I started it, like I said earlier, um, just really a way to um, – interact with other whiskey um, enthusiasts. Um, I was doing, at the time, web development. Now, I'd been a freelance photographer on the side for, for quite a while. And so I started doing a little bit more creative um, and high-end um, bottle shots, um, even though it was still a Star Wars kind of medium ground um, with whiskey. Um, I was still just doing, just you know, just trying to, showcase the bottles because they're so so pretty i mean seriously they they deserved more than what i saw out there uh and then i blinked and then there were like ten thousand bottle shot accounts out there and i was like oh crap okay (laughs) (laughs) so um and then uh and then i started doing um so i I was saving my empty bottles and then my wife was like okay either you're going to do something with these or i'm getting getting rid of them so (laughs) Uh, no. so, so I took, took the bottle <laughs> the of, ultimatum. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I took, um, one of the bottles of the Belvini 12, um, and created a lamp out of it. And so then that kind of catapulted my account as I started sharing that and people got really excited about, about the lamps and I started selling <laughs> those. And then on the side of that, I was always kind of throwing in like little Star Wars memorabilia, like Bubba Fett glass and stuff like that. And, um, that started kind of gaining more momentum. And then I took a, uh, a picture of a little stormtrooper in front of about, again, Balvini. Um, I remember this. Yeah. 
and they shared it on their account and I get, gained like 500 followers. I was like, okay, I'm onto something here. Wow. Like, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and, uh, and even then I was kind of like combining all three of those worlds. Um, and then, um, I upgraded my camera and then at the same time upgraded the figures that I was using from little like Fisher Price to the three and three quarter inch, which weren't quite good enough for what I wanted to do. And then I went to the six inch black series. Um, there you go. And then as those photos started going around, um, Huffington Post an article on me. And then from there, just things just blew up. Wow. Um, wow. I, I would wake up in the morning to a couple thousand new followers and would have to, because I, I had my, my blog and they would mention the blog, I was able to, to track which articles were, were being posted. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where um, things kind of started and blew up. It's been amazing. I, I, it's funny because I, I can kind of remember this journey because there's some accounts that I spate pay very close attention to because I really, I'm a photographer myself. I don't do it much anymore, but, um, I remember the first thing that drew me was, it was like, Hey, like these are like really cool pictures of whiskey and they're not a objectifying women or B doing this whole like manly, you gotta be like a rugged dude thing. It was like, this speaks to me too. Yeah, and it's, that account that account you just described sounds awesome. <laughs> Fuck you, Jake. There's millions of them out yeah. there, so suck it. <laughs> I'm not saying they're not awesome, but the point was it spoke to the oh, kid man. in me, and it spoke I to somebody you, like me that was like, you know, I mean, you you've mentioned a few times that your wife was like, get rid of your shirts, get rid of your bottles. Like, hey, like I'm still a kid at heart, and I also have action figures. And most of the artwork in my house, when I'm in my house, um, the guys can <laughs> tell you, are like Star Wars, World War II things, like cool oh, nice. shit. And yeah. I felt like, hey, like, it's not just me that's a total dork about this stuff. Like, this is awesome. And it's with whiskey. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, this is great. So I just felt like it spoke to, well, it did, obviously, because look at your success. It spoke to such a broader audience. And I thought that was yeah. so cool. And I always wondered, so... Um, we don't have to talk about ages if you don't want to, but when did you first get into Star Wars and, and where does your love of Star Wars come from? The love of Star Wars really started, um, before I could actually remember. Um, I was old enough to see, um, Return of the Jedi, um, when I was five in the theater. Um, I remember which shirt I was wearing. I remember who I went to go see it with. Like it, it was that moment, um, and then I still have pictures of like my sixth birthday with just Star Wars crap everywhere. Like the, I had the blaster, I had a lightsaber, I had like 15 toys. Like it was just the Star Wars party of, of all Star Wars parties. Um, and it really hasn't stopped since then. Um, <laughs> really, um, and like, and, and I, I attribute a lot of what I've been doing with the troopers, um, to being grounded so much growing up. Um, I would get I would get grounded. My parents would go out to dinner or something, and when they would come back, there would be this elaborate setup with my storm with my uh, Star Wars figures, GI Joe guys, and Transformers. And they would lead. They'd come in the door. They're like they'd be holding a note saying go to the like kitchen or something. And then there would be another elaborate setup. And then at the end, like it would just say I'm sorry, and it, it, it would cut like a couple. It would cut, cut a couple days off my grounding, but. Amazing. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like it all kind of started yeah. then. 
love it. But I'll have to say, I did see Return of the Jedi three times on its opening day. So Ed and I are obviously the closest in age because I also saw A New Hope in the theater. (laughs) And I can remember everything. I saw all the first three movies in the movie theater, and I can remember also everything about those moments. And yeah. um, I was one of the few girls when I went back to school on Monday that was like, oh my God, I saw, you know, because we didn't have a lot of movies back then or a lot of, you know, shit like you do now. Like, I saw this movie, blah, and all the other girls were like, what? But the boys were like, also like, blah, 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 and I was like, oh, okay, I belong over there. Um, <laughs> so uh, I also was grounded a lot as a child. A whole lot. I wish I had thought to do that, though. You are more clever than I am, of course. I mean, I mean, legally, I should still be grounded. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I would just draw things and write stories. Like I would write entire books and draw like murals and shit while I was grounded. But I, I should have. That's very clever. I did not get myself out of groundings, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so we'll do this kind of like a timeline so scott trooper is on instagram cool name super fucking awesome all of a sudden i remember you were like doing you know i remember the lamps i remember the cool stuff and then bam all of a sudden i checked back and i'm like holy crap this dude i was like how the fuck did he get all these followers like what is going on and then i found the huff post story and then was there another – I feel like there was something else that happened after that. And you were then Scotch Trooper. And everybody in the whiskey fabric, as we call it on Instagram, knew you and found you and was, like, like reposting you. And sometimes not the right way, sometimes the right way. <laughs> there is a way to repost people, guys. Yeah, you need yeah. to use oh, a repost app or shadow just, accounts. Yeah, crazy. make sure you're saying, hey, this is reposted from this account. That's all you have to do. It's very nice to repost. Just and do it, it the right and, way. And if you are reposting the right way, don't have your whole account be 100% one person. That too. Oh my god! I've, I've had that as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I remember some of those. So. Yeah, that ha- that happens too. Um, so I don't want to belabor the point too much. Um, so for our listeners, there's been a little controversy surrounded by Scotch Trooper. It is not the reason we're having him on the show. We're having him on the show because I'm a huge fan. I've been a huge fan forever. We have like-minded interests. We all decided as a group, as we always do, that he'd be a great guest. But we also want to support. Um, our friend in a time like this and there's been some controversy and you've had some troubles and um, mm-hmm. there are a lot of other podcasts and there you can go to um, find the scotch test dummies on YouTube who we adore and um, Brett talks a lot about you know what has happened with his account but if you want to just touch on it for a minute so those that don't know and then they can go out there and read more about it yeah yeah fair enough um, so long story short uh, someone submitted a 26 page document to dis- discus which is the distilled priest <laughs> yeah it's the distilled Sp- spirits council of the u.s um claiming that i and any brand that i was working with over the last two or three years have been advertising to minors by using toys with whiskey <clears throat> um yeah complete <clears throat> Complete and utter bu- bullshit. Um, but the the twist to it is that Discus, after I don't know two months of deliberation, um, upheld the complaint, oh. and and then they they told brands that I was that were mentioned on the complaint to 
sever ties with me and to take down any mm. uh, any reposts that they did of mine and then urge them to send me cease and desist letters, um, which has pretty much happened except for, like, I think two brands on that complaint. The other brands are kind of still in limbo. We're not sure what's going to happen with that, but... Um, but yeah, so that that was the last. That's pretty much been the last four months um, of dealing with uh, legal teams, um, lawyers, and and all that bullshit. But uh, yeah, so it's that been sucks. Fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally sucks. Censorship sucks. Yeah. It, um, it it does. You know, we've talked a lot on this show because we've talked about we've discussed the timeline of some legendary bands, and it, it's such a common theme in the bands we talk about censorship has come up so much lawsuits because you know a kid killed someone or committed suicide and it's the band's lyrics or and tonight we're going to talk about a band who has had to fight censorship as well so it's very it's a it's a theme in this show and you find this this happens a lot as whiskey was censored at a time it was illegal in this country to produce drink and distribute mm-hmm. whiskey in this country. And it, most people don't realize that it's very recent, actually, that many states in this country have actually lifted prohibition. Everyone thinks that the repeal meant that in the entire U.S. that there was no more prohibition, and that is not the case. I was in, I lived in Ohio, and I'm right now in Idaho, and prohibition was lifted very recently. So censorship is always a bad thing. Protecting our children is always a good thing, but doing that with careful thought and with reason is very, very important. And that's my five cents on that issue. Well, the thought that the thought that uh, an action figure—first of all, why would a minor be be following a, a page for adults? I mean, a parent should be watching their Instagram account to see what they're looking at. For one. But uh, how in any way, shape, or form could somebody connect, rationally connect those two things that this yeah. leads to the other? That's just stupid. That's, and, that's like, and, I mean, and that's, what, that's just, what kid is going to see one of my posts and be like, you know what? That $150 bottle of whiskey, I'm totally going to go out and buy that. That's what I was going to say. I thought the whole time. I've been saving my paper route money for a long time. It's as ludicrous as saying that, uh, that like watching the movie is going to make a kid go kill somebody with a lightsaber. Right. Exactly. Right? Or yep. suicide solution is going to make you kill yourself, and, for example. And Brett, you, 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 posted, you posted a certain bar graph, I guess, yes. about... about Something that pretty much defends you 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And my my, yeah. De- my so, demographics. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Your dem- mm-hmm. demographics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's going to that be. That says it all right there. That's going to yeah. be a nice PR nightmare for Discus. And uh, that, that's essentially. <laughs> that was just me like throwing it out there. I'd be like, just deal with that. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm tired of explaining myself. Like here. But the, the, the killer part of it is be- I was the sole person mentioned in this long ass complaint yet was never given a voice. And they all kind of discussed amongst themselves. And then I just kept on getting all these emails and phone calls and letters. And I'm like, you know, if, if I'm going to have my name dragged through the mud, like I need to throw something out there. And so that, that was me just saying, fuck it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where I was very happy to see 
that what we call a whiskey fabric on Instagram. So just some of the people that, I mean, I think most of our listeners come from Instagram, but those might, who might not, we're a community, you know, and it just happens to be on a place where visuals are more important than words. And that's how all three of my dudes on Whiskey met. met. That's how we met. That's how I meet. That's how I met Scott Mm -hmm. Trooper, who's on tonight. That's how I met a lot of the people in this. And some people who I've met in person now and we're very good friends with, it's how I've actually gotten jobs. I've gotten works. I've gotten gigs. It's a real deal. And the whiskey fabric raised the fuck up in your defense. And we wanted to be Mm -hmm. heard. And it was... Yes, we defend you because it's bullshit, but it was also, hey, you need to hear reason, number one, and hear us. And we are who is watching his his Instagram account, and we are the we are the lookers and listeners, and we didn't feel like we were heard either, along with you. And that's um, what personally made me so angry, and what I saw throughout a lot of the thread on Instagram when the when everything happened that um, it's really important for all of us to, we can all have our own thoughts and we can have our own biases, but in the end, you have to be reasonable. And children looking at photos of whiskey is not a bad thing. Children looking at photos of toys with whiskey is not a bad thing, nor is it a camel smoking a cigarette. Is that a bad thing? That is not going to make someone smoke a fucking cigarette. In the end, parents have to monitor their own children, and we will grow up to do and be what we are. We are one of the few countries in the Western world, one of the most supposed modern countries, that censors as heavily as we do. So for me, the whole thread to this well, we is censor, we too censor much censoring things well exactly but yeah, we don't well, we don't censor selective, violence yeah selective censoring <laughs> indeed i don't think we, we should we have censor, any censoring but whatever yeah so um, censor pleasurable things yes what scott trooper does is beautiful and brilliant and it takes a hell of a lot of talent and i can say that coming from a photographer myself coming from mm-hmm. someone that was in corporate marketing for a very very long time from a whiskey lover um, you're a talented motherfucker and I appreciate you. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. And Brett, if I can just say one thing real quick, um, that whole, when the whole thing went down, um, you know, the whole I stand with trooper movement started gaining traction, the hashtag. And, you know, I, I put that out there too, but my thought was, you know what, this may not do help him legally, but you know, I just want to do it to help him as a moral support, helping to give him a little moral boost. Yep. Did that? Oh, uh, oh, oh, most definitely. I, I, sweet. I was, I was, I was smiling ear to ear. Like good to know. Going, going through hell, but at the same time, like it, it was just, yeah, it was overwhelming. <laughs> it really was. That's awesome. Great. So glad. Yeah. And and like so and even like the post that I, I did the other day, like I I just threw it out there. I haven't responded to anything. Like I just let the the post run, and it it's still going. Like the the comments that are coming through are just amazing. Whoever that uh, whoever that pawn of the empire that wrote that twenty six page <laughs> report, we can we can only just dream that right now his accounts are getting hacked by four chan. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I'm about 98% sure I know who it is, but I'm... Yeah, his uh, DMs are being flooded with goatsy as we speak. Yeah. I should send him a series of dicks, dick pics constantly, right? I mean... Okay. I have a collection. So Brett, I have a question for you. 
I have a question for you, and this this connects with how how I came to be a Star Wars fan, and because uh, we didn't, nobody in my family growing up liked Star Wars, but what my family did love was Mel Brooks movies, <laughs> and my yes. favorite movie, Spaceballs, as a kid was Spaceballs. May the Schwartz, yes. May the Schwartz be and with I, you. Yep. I had seen Spaceballs a hundred times. <laughs> Before I ever even knew there was that it was like a spoof of an action. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Kid. No, I'm, I'm with you. We're the same age. What? Pretty yeah. much we're the same age. And I, I'm with How you. How did I not 100%. know this about you guys? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that was, Pizza the Hut. I saw, spa- oh I saw, God, saw Spaceballs before ever. I saw yeah. Star Wars. Oh. All the jokes are like lost on you. I know totally, totally. Yes. Yeah, no. So I, I was like, I this is watched, a really cool original movie. Yeah. I had watched Spaceballs a hundred times. <laughs> And then it wasn't until I was a teenager Amazing. that uh, that um, probably not probably just maybe like a couple of years before uh, episodes one, two, and three came out. I think it was probably the hype of those you know people finding out that they were going to do the prequels that it came to my attention. Like you know what, I never actually saw any of the Star Wars movies. How did so you I laugh at Spaceballs? I don't get it. Because it's, it's freaking it's brilliant. It's still hilarious, movie. yeah. It stands, yeah. it stands on its own, but now That's when I amazing. watch it, after watching all the Star Wars movies a hundred times now, and, yeah, it's that and, much uh, funnier. and my my yeah. my daughter and I both uh, were, were movie buds, and so we we watch all the Marvel movies except Deadpool together. It's <laughs> <laughs> the one and only okay. one that she doesn't get to see, but we do all the all of the Marvel and all the Star Wars movies together, and and because uh, my wife's not too big on them, but but her wow. and I have really enjoyed doing it. But uh, I'm just wondering if you've ever thought of doing Scotch. Spaceball trooper, Scotch balls, <laughs> Scotch balls, Scotch balls, trooper Scotch balls. balls. <laughs> trooper balls. <laughs> wow, the mental images are just. <laughs> that would be a whole other censorship. I yeah, feel. yeah, no doubt. That, yeah, that that would last about a week. <laughs> Amazing. Merchandising. 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 We are here. Oh, we are here, Jesus. and we are now. Okay. It's here and now. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> pause everyone for a minute and I'm gonna thank you, Scott Trooper, for explaining your whole timeline and tell us about it. I need to pee or I will pee my pants, which is a theme on this show. Not peeing my pants, almost peeing my pants. I think Matt's okay, pee okay. Too. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> So bad. <laughs> and then, Matt's been dancing in his chair over there. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> and then when we come back from the break, I'm trying to say not eloquently that we're going to have a break. Um, we're going to get into the band of the night, which I'm very excited about. And I will say this was one of the most difficult timelines I've ever put together on this show thus far. So, very challenging. So, we will be back in just a few minutes. In the meantime, you're going to enjoy a song, listeners, and hopefully it won't be my pants. All right. Yeah, good luck on that. Thanks. All right, and we're back. Apparently, nobody peed their pants, including myself, so tonight is a good night. 
So we're going to start off with a little bit of a background on Tool before we get into the discussion. And I'm going to say this was the most challenging backstories or timelines that I have had to do thus far on this show. And that is saying a lot because we have covered bands that have had 10 times the length um, as a band that Tool has had. For those of you that are Tool fans, I'm sure you're not surprised to hear this. The band is complex. Literally, everything they do is full of complexity. Their inspirations, their themes, their thought processes, their approach to their music and writing, their writing style, their syncopation in music, the meanings behind songs and album titles. And then there's Maynard, who is an enigma, an enigma all of his own. <laughs> and then who there's his own show, probably. We could fill up an entire show of just Maynard. Um, so I reached out to several Tool fans asking for their thoughts on what is most important to focus on when discussing Tool. I did not reach out to you guys, Jacob and Brett, because I didn't want it, you guys to be, you know, I didn't want like the bias there. Um, and literally everybody had a completely different opinion. And I've, I spoke to some really diehard fans and <laughs> what they felt like was important. It was so different that I was like, okay. I'm just going to approach this the way I have always done um, with most of our other bands. And because um, I feel like it would take 10 shows to really drill into Tool. Um, and we can always, have, we always say on the show, we are happy to come back and revisit artists and get deeper into it, of course. So what I love about this, to, in, to interrupt, is the fact that I suggest Tool and we go through this in-depth detail and they have five albums, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's exactly my point. Where I was like, "All right, this one should be pretty easy." Yeah, no. I'm not like a huge tool fan, but layers of like oh, urban it, legends. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've done. You know, Zeppelin. I thought, "Holy fuck! How in the hell am I going to put Zeppelin into like a timeline? How can I put Ozzy or Metallica? You know, I mean, Metallica. We spent five shows on. I don't know, but." Yeah. This is, we'll, I'm so we'll glad say, you do we'll, so much more work on this show than I do. We'll say we'll say this. This is the first Tool show. I, I have a feeling we will definitely revisit this this band for a few reasons. But let's just start from the beginning. For those of you that are not familiar with Tool, I always try to do this to either remind ourselves. Um, for me, I listened to Tool. I bought their albums. Wasn't super into them, so I didn't know a lot of what I, I came up with. So this is why we kind of lay that out there. So... They formed in 1990 in Los Angeles. The band originally consisted of Paul um, D'Amore, Adam Jones, Maynard, and uh, Danny Carey. After two years of playing out in the L.A. circuit in small venues, the band was approached by record companies. I find that very interesting. Anyway, they eventually signed with Zoo Entertainment. In March of 1992, the band released their first album, which was an EP. And again... <laughs> This, there are going to be a lot of sign lines here to this band. <laughs> it was not an EP due to the label saying, let's first release an EP, which um, is very common. I owned record label, and I would often say, let's just start with an EP, lower cost, a good way to just get you out there. Let's see if it, a single hits big. Um, this was <laughs> the band's choice to do just an EP. They were offered a full record deal as first release. Um, this first EP, though, is considered as Tool's heaviest album by most Tool fans, and it's called Opiate. Their name was explained as such by the band at the time, because their name also has a lot of controversy to it. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you a quote. 
Tool is exactly what it sounds like. It's a big dick, it's a wrench. We are your tool to use. Use it as a catalyst in your process of finding out whatever it is you need to find out or whatever it is you're trying to achieve, end quote. And that's about as simple and direct as I can get. We can discuss. That's the most specifically <laughs> ambiguous answer ever. And that's but, but that, <laughs> that, that in and of itself is the essence of Tool, though. I Thank mean, you. it it's really exactly is. is. Yeah. Any interview you have with them, it just, it's it. just so ambiguous and sarcastic. And you never yeah. know what to take from them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's why is, I thought, it's, it's... I'll just go with a direct quote and I'm going to leave it right there. Yeah. Um, so, opiate... Everything about them can be interpreted by anybody in their own situation, dep- yes. just depending on how how you want to listen to it. Right. Which is... And yeah. that's what yeah. they were basically mm-hmm. saying, the way they yeah. said it. So, opiate was produced by Sylvia Massey and minor threat bassist Stephen... Hansgen. Massey is well is a well-regarded producer and engineer. She's worked with System of a Down, Green Jelly, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Johnny Cash, and would go on to work on Tool's upcoming full-length album, Undertow. She's a badass. The band quickly went on tour after releasing their EP with other notable bands like Rage Against the Machine, Rollins Band, Fishbone, and by September of 1992, the buzz about the band was full-on for sure. And this is just after releasing an EP. So the following year in 1993, Tool released their first full-length album, Undertow. This was a time when alternative rock and grunge was at its most popular. The album went gold in 1993 and then platinum in 1995. Sober was the hit single of the album and earned the band uh, Billboard's Best Video by a New Artist for the stop-motion video to Sober. And let me just add that this album was such a success, even with a censored cover, and again, I bring up censorship. The entire cover was censored in most places that it was sold. And for those of you that might not have been there in the early 90s, to understand that a band like Tool, who was not a Nirvana, <coughs> excuse me, or a Pearl Garden, or a Sound Garden, that were pretty much... Did I just say Pearl Garden? Pearl <laughs> That's a mashup band right there. Sound Jam. Like Immigration Song, I'm doing it again. Yeah. This is a new theme on the... <laughs> Pearl Garden. I mean, it kind, kind of could be. Anyway, <laughs> my point is that um, for them not to be a straight up, like, I get this, this is rock music, and to gain the success that they did with their first first full-length album was huge. So um, in September of 1996, Tool released their second full-length album, Anima, or Anima, depending on how you want to pronounce it. This album debuted at number two on the Billboard charts and sold 148,000 copies in its first week. The title track for the album won them a Grammy for Best Metal Performance in 1998. You know what's funny, guys? How many bands have we covered where I've said, oh, they won a Grammy for best metal performance. We're all like, they're not a metal band. When are they going to change that shit? Because I just looked it up and it's still the case. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's a a whole show by itself. (laughs) That's indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember when, uh, when Enema came out in 96, that was my freshman year in high school. And the, uh, the school that I went to, uh, Latin was a freshman requirement. And, uh, and the A-E in Latin is pronounced I. And so I was like, 
what is what is Inema? <laughs> I kept reading it like Inema because my my mind was thinking like the A E Latin, and that you know, was. But have was, you heard them? Have you? I mean, you guys might the two of you that are big Tool fans. Have you heard them explain the pronunciation? Because I had to look it up because I know what what. Thank God there was MTV at the time. I know how they <laughs> pronounced it. I know how. Uh, I pronounced it, and so there's, uh, there's actually they they I literally was like I'm gonna be the asshole that goes to every YouTube video of this band talking about that album, <laughs> and they pronounce it different every yeah, single of course, time. Of course they do. Of course they and do yeah. because that's Tool. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they want to confuse Anima, the hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, so it was Anima. Wow. I think okay. So I I wrote I tried to write down it was Enema. Anima, Anima, and something else. Maybe go, it was Anima. I go Anima. I go Anima. Anima. Okay, po- possibly. Yeah. So I was like, all right, fuck you guys. Whatever. I'll call yeah, them yeah, whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna add here that um, we had a bassist change, and this is when Justin Chancellor comes on board, who is a very important member of this band. Um, and notable that in 2003, Kerrang! Music Magazine named this album the sixth most influential album of all time in hard rock, rock, and metal. That's fucking huge. <clears throat> Rolling Stone listed it as number 18 on the 100 greatest metal albums of all time. This is a new band to get a title like that at the time. And their first single, Stink Fist, received limited airplay as it was shortened by MTV and radio stations and renamed as track number one because they thought Stink Fest was offensive, but it went on to be a charting single. <laughs> they I mean, thought it was offensive? I was going to say, mean, right? Did they read the lyrics? I never thought of that. <laughs> they played the song, but you can't say the name, Stink Fest. Okay, so... <laughs> So Tool goes, goes on to tour Europe, Australia, and New Zealand to promote this album. And they came back in 1997, and they dominated the Lollapalooza stage as a headliner, which previously they were just a side stage act. And I can say I did see them as a side stage act at Lollapalooza. Um, I think we talked about this recently at the Beastie Boys one in Miami. I saw them then, too, and I was like, I remember being like, who the, what the fuck and who the fuck, but... That was kind of cool, but what the hell? It took me a minute. Like I was very like I don't. I had not heard their album yet. I was like, what? What's happening here? Um, so, unfortunately, soon after this, um, Tool was entered into a legal battle due to their original contract with Zoo, who is now a defunct um, industry company and album. And their former manager, who they dismissed in two thousand, also sued the band over his commission and royalties. Um, but during this period, Keenan joined Perfect Circle. There were rumors floating around that the band was done. There were lawsuits. There was a hiatus. One of their members left. Another member joined a new band. Um, but they were actually working on new material um, while they were waiting for Keenan to return from a Perfect Circle. So in 2000, um, Saliva Box Set was released. It contained one original track a live track, and several new versions of old songs. It also contained a VHS or DVD contained with four music videos and a bonus video for Hush. It also had a hidden track called Maynard's Dick, which found its way onto the radio, and most (laughs) DJs titled it Maynard's Dead. So (laughs) I looked up 
All right. Um, <laughs> and the best wish... Led Zeppelin cover ever on that album, by the yes, way. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. They yep. did. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, I looked up, and, and I happen to know a few radio DJs, and some who are retired and some who are still going. And so I actually texted a few of them, and I'm like, hey, did you ever play Maynard's Dick? I mean, Maynard's Dead. And they were, and like one of them wrote back, and he was like, yeah. I'm like, okay, why did you call it Maynard's Dick or Maynard's Dad? He's like, well, obviously I called it Maynard's Dead. I'm like, who renamed it like that, though? And he was like, oh, well, I'm like, because to say he's dead is fucking rude. Like, you could have just said, I don't know, Maynard or Maynard's Dog or I don't know, Maynard's Dude. I don't know. And he's like, no, that's what came down through Clear Channel. And I was like, holy shit, like, the corporate chain of Clear Channel decided to turn it from dick to dead? I mean, was that hopeful or what? Like, fuck you guys, you're actually making millions of dollars off of this band, actually. that that cover was no quarter, right? Yes, Yes. it was no quarter. Yes, it was. Yes. So, okay, anyway. Um, Okay, so then in 2001, Tool released um, Lateralis, and this album garnered a lot of critical acclaim and was a success on the charts as well. So both fans and critics loved this album. It reached number one on the U.S. (laughs) Billboard charts and they received their second Grammy for Best Metal Performance for Schism. They toured heavily and then around 2002, they began another hiatus. This would be a theme with the band. And then on April 1st of 2005, the band released a statement on their website that Maynard had found Jesus and would not be recording a new Tool album. Of course, this was just another tool, April Fool's prank, because a few years previous, so a uh, statement had been made on the band's website that half of them had died in a car accident or something, <laughs> which is pretty fucked up, considering yep. a lot of bands. So many history. urban legends. So, um, so this becomes a theme with the band. Um, okay, so then we're going to fast forward a little bit to April of 2006. And just notably, this band has taken a lot of time in between albums, and as I'm going through their timeline and thinking back, again, I'm not a huge fan, so I'm not like waiting desperately for the new album, but thinking, oh, you know, I haven't heard an album from them in a while. I kind of respect the fact that they've always said, we're going to take the time to write this stuff. We're going to do it in our own space, in our own time. We're going to release it when we're ready. And it almost leaves everybody with bated breath, you know? So it's smart on many levels. I don't know that it's always like a marketing PR theme, but I think it's just the theme within them is we're ready when we're ready. And I, I absolutely respect that. So we're in 2006 and um, Vicarious premieres on the U.S. radio stations from the album 10,000 Days. And this album, although I'll mention it in a minute, was not supposed to be popular, sold 564 thousand copies in its first week and went on to be number one on the u.s billboard charts although it was a success with fans the critics were not so pleased with its efforts but Ten Thousand days won a best grammy for recording package basically that means the artwork so oh the package the packaging was amazing it was beautiful yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. i just think it's so incredible it's such a weird way to say that like just say such a beautiful package (laughs) (laughs) i love me i love maynard's pack wait they were always (laughs) (laughs) fuck you dude stop showing me up on this podcast tonight that was my line anyway (laughs) so their label had said to them their label who they had to 
um, release a few more albums with due to that whole contract negotiation issue. Um, it said, well, after such a hiatus, you're never going to come back as popular as you were. This album is not going to be the success that your previous album was. You guys pretty much fucked yourselves, you know, which... I mean, fair enough for a lot of bands that is the case, but I think it's the bands that, you know, are stuck in a genre or in a, you know, I'm of the time band, you know, and that's over. They come out with a new album. They're not relevant anymore. Tool is just seems to be relevant no matter what. And Tool kind of was like, well, fuck you. And we're number one on the billboard charts and we've sold a record amount of copies and this, (laughs) all of their albums go gold, platinum, platinum, double platinum. So then May of 2007, it seemed that the band was ready to take a lot of time off after completing another tour, and they did so until the summer of 2009 when they began their next tour headlining Lollapalooza stages again. They toured again in the winter of 2012, and they even played Ozfest in 2013 in Japan. Jeez, if I could imagine what an Ozfest would be like in Japan. Just try to imagine for a minute. They they are like legit the craziest music fans in the world. I think it's fair to say that. Um, so in between all of these tours, Tool members have had their own projects, obviously, and worked on their own stuff, either with their own bands or other bands. Um, and then there were years <laughs> following that of the band saying they had a forthcoming album. In 2014, we've got an album coming out this year. Psych! No. And then 2015, I think we're going to have a new album next year. And they were really serious about it and gave many interviews about it, but it didn't happen. Then they went on tour, and then they were going to have another album in 2017 and said, we're touring again, and this album is going to be, or this tour is going to be in support of this album. No album came out. Again, fuck you guys. And then finally, an official statement came out in 2018 (laughs) that they would be coming out with an album this year and i think we covered that (laughs) on the metal rock and whiskey news a few months ago but it didn't happen yet and apparently it's not (laughs) gonna happen because maynard says and i quote at an award ceremony i'll go on record now saying you're going to hear new music from us next year so we'll have to wait (laughs) till 2019 for for them to then say (laughs) Next year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Well, think about the wording, though. Uh, it can right. always be next year. Exactly. Well, he. Yeah. So. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, okay. So that's the timeline of this band. Um, for those of you that know the band, you're going to get all the stuff that goes along with this. For those of you that don't, we'll try to cover as, as much of that in the discussion. But what I want to say is imagine a band only having a handful of albums, you know, coming out in a time where we were dominated by the grunge scene, you know, the Seattle scene, a, a lot of metal actually coming back and being commercial and actually making, you know, being chart toppers when metal didn't do that previously. And this band who you really can't categorize comes out and is just like, fuck it, we're going to do our shit our way. And they're so controversial that most of their song titles couldn't be played on radio, but some of their songs could never be played on radio that would have been chart (laughs) toppers because of the themes of them. They've had several albums with heavy censorship on them, and they still are a band that everybody knows. So let's discuss. Would you say that Tool... You know, I'm I'm ashamed. I don't know more about them than I do. I did hear them on the radio 
um, but diving into it, I, I'm just fascinated by this band and their music. Um, I'd almost say that to me, they're the next great prog rock band after Rush. And yes, I think to me, they're very much like ELO and yes, I feel like had other bands jumped on other bands that had the talent and the imagination that Tool has at that time, yes, we could have had a second wave of prog rock, like a new ELO, a new Yes, a new Rush. You're absolutely right, in my opinion. They were actually they were actually the the, the gateway band for me to get into prog rock. Uh, like when it when it comes to songs like Push It, like you're going on like eight nine minutes, and I'm like I'm still interested. Yeah. I'm still interested in this song. Like <laughs> holy hell! Like and and then so when you get into like like Pink earlier Pink Floyd and stuff like that, and you're like okay now now I can see how someone can sit there and and actually still be engrossed in like this concept album or this one song that's going on for twenty five minutes. Because you have to listen to the whole thing together, or you have to listen to the two songs together, which a lot of the prog rock bands did. Rush is one of them. You know, you can't separate the two songs. Um, Zeppelin did a similar thing for sure. That's what what I was just going to make the point that uh, where you know generally on a concept album, it's really difficult to pick out a single. But what what Tool does so well is that you can. I mean. The singles that they put out can stand completely on their own, but if you really want to strap in and go for a ride, you gotta just buckle in, start at track one, and just listen to the entire album from beginning to end because it's 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 all just um, one fluid thought in process from beginning to end, and it's just it takes you on a ride. No, but to, but to your point, like I I used to, um, and I still do. I I love making playlists. I love making mix. Used to love making mixtapes, and Tool, yeah. Tool was always oh, a band that I wanted to include, but I felt like I it never fit. And any time that I listened to a, a singular song, it made it just made me want to listen to the whole album again. Like it yep. just. It it, ne- it never fit into any playlist or, or, or mix. I just yeah. It, and, well, we did that. We go ahead. So well, we had we had the same problems when uh, when <laughs> sailors having some technical difficulties right That's now, good. and you can't see on video what, what we're seeing, <laughs> but it looks like she's being attacked by a bear or something because her phone and camera are going Shut all up. over the place. Why do you have to talk about? <laughs> Is there a squirrel loose in there or something? <laughs> I'm back. I'm fine. Everything's fine. All right, but we had we had a similar. I had a similar problem when we when we did a rush up the rush episode and we tried to do playlists or you know the ultimate rush playlist and it's like well, my favorite rush album, I didn't have a single song off of that album, as as, on my rush playlist because. I couldn't separate anything from that album that was as great singular as it was as part of the whole project. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's where I fall with two of them. If I'm listening to an album beginning to end, then my favorite songs on that album, when it's all together, are going to be very different than if you say, "Well, what's your favorite just song to listen to on its own?" It's like, well, it's 
maybe it's like the th- my third favorite song on the album, but it's going to be my favorite song by itself. And I, I don't know if I'm explaining that well enough, but. So who wants to talk? <laughs> I feel we have to, we have to talk about Maynard. Um, yeah. We don't the often. The man, the man, the myth, the legend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. depending on how much time we devote to the band, if they have a, um, what do you want to call him even? Like, I don't <laughs> well, I'll say, what I'll say is Brian? that to me anyway, in music in general, there are a handful of individuals who are their band. And I will say that Indeed. to give an example, <clears throat> Lemmy is Motorhead. Yes. Mm-hmm. Queen is Freddie. Tool is Maynard. He's in that group, that rarefied air of unique individuals who, when you think about the band, you think about the music, you can't discount what the man brings to the entire process. And as far, at least for me, who is a big proponent of stage presence, live performances, like I said, Lemmy, Freddie, dude, Maynard is in the top five for me. Yep. I yep. mean, the guy, I mean, <clears throat> just Google any performance from them from the early 90s. I mean, it's or later, you know, whatever performance. I mean, I, I've seen him a couple yeah. times with Perfect Circle and with Tool, and yeah. every time it's been completely different and completely yeah, mind-blowing. Yeah, yep. It just... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and to your point, Matt, uh, yeah. when it, it takes... It, it takes a, a, a somebody that eccentric and that you know, seeking of perfection on, on a level, uh, you have to, he, he, somebody like that has to be surrounded with such precise musicians, such technically gifted musicians. And at the same time, those musicians have to be, uh, have to be willing to put up with that eccentric genius. But I don't think they put up with it. I think no, they don't. I, no, I don't think so. I think yeah. they go with well, they're it. Still I think around. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I no, I don't think that's the case at all. I think they get him somehow. I think they're kind of like, you know, when you know you're a fucking weirdo and you find your person, they're like, I get you. Yeah, that's rare. Yeah, and I think he yeah, found yeah. other people. All they get weird. him. They are all. Weird. I know yeah. exactly. They totally are. But also, you know, you do one or two albums with this guy, and you have a fucking four-year hiatus, and you come back as number one. Why wouldn't you get him? Like, you know, yes, uh, yeah, the perfectionism right? has been noted, and his and his frustration with I hear this, I see this. How do I? get that out of me and it, 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 okay no that's not what i hear in my head do it again do it again do it again certainly that's been noted but i don't feel like the musicians that he has worked with have been frustrated by that i feel like they have all somehow embraced it and i think that's what makes them come out the gate with a winning album almost every fucking time well what what's 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 interesting is like i always thought in, in the earlier years, I thought that he was the one driving the creative process. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's clear that the way that they're writing albums now, I don't know if it's always been that way, but the band will just create these opuses and he just comes in, throws down lyrics and melodies on top of that. Um, so, like, yeah, of course they're putting up with him because he's, he's a genius, but 
I mean, let's not discredit the fact that they're they're creating this music without him even oh, present. Oh yeah. Oh for sure, and they've oh, also yeah. written lyrics that he was not a party to uh, from yeah. their own experiences. Some of those songs were banned from the radio. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think in the beginning he was the driving force of saying, you know, I'm avant garde. But you know, when that wasn't a cool term to use, you know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. when is it yeah. ever actually? I feel like it should be. Because um, they are truly, I think, the the true definition of avant-garde, they would fit into that category, even though we may all see it as something different. And they, I feel like, in a way, they he inspired them to embrace that. And, and certainly, yes, you're absolutely fucking right, that is, this, this isn't the case of, like, hey, I'm the main songwriter, I'm the main personality, and you guys are just my background band, which can happen a lot. That's not the case at all. And I think that's why this band works the way they do is they're all fucking weirdos, but they're all crazy talented and they, they somehow get each other on a very strange level yeah. to pull yeah. off well, what they pull off. <laughs> something very representative of that point. Uh, the last time that I saw him in concert was in 2008 uh, during the 10,000 days tour. And... <clears throat> which was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. It was just so incredible. But he, the band was out front of the stage, and he was behind them, behind a curtain, to yes. where all you could see was his shadow. I mean, just like fully making the, that kind of point that it's... it. I mean, you could have taken it, again, as his tool, you could take it that so many different ways. Yep. But it's almost... it's It was just so like, I'm not a front man. Yeah, you have heard about the show that they did. I think this may have been, if I'm correct, during their first EP release, where they found out. I think it was in New York. They were playing a huge venue. Would have been very big for them. That it was uh, owned by um, L. Ron Hubbard and the Scientology, whatever. And they didn't want to play the show, <laughs> and they were kind of because <laughs> yeah. it goes against what they believe, and they were kind of forced into it. It was at the last minute. And so Maynard spent the majority of the show buying at people like sheep the whole fucking time. And the band played the, the band just kept playing the music and he would just buy at people and um, people stayed. So the last couple of songs, he just decided, well, you fucking stayed and sang, sang the songs. But it was, I, I feel like. I, I'll have to look at it again. I feel like it was like a good fucking 45 minutes or something where he just bawled at people. Like, I can't imagine. I don't care how much I like your band. I would have been That's like, ridiculous. fuck you, I'm out. But I See, mean. The story, the story for me that Hank, that stands out is the the fan that jumps on stage and he gets him into like a guillotine choke yeah. and continues to perform. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. a real guillotine. Like, he, he wasn't like legit choking the guy out, yeah, but yeah. he. Yeah. But but yeah, he he had him but, like held yeah. up pretty tight, like just and and still belting <laughs> out his lyrics. He's just like, yeah, whatever. That's legendary. Yeah, yeah. And, absolutely. And legendary. He has a just roll. He has a jujitsu <laughs> background too. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was. I mean, if you read the background of Maynard, I found it fascinating that it was the in, a, absolute opposite of what I expected it to be. I expected his story to be like most of them. You know, I was a troubled teen and my family was mm-hmm. broken and I got in drugs and alcohol and found music and it saved me. And that's not the case at all. Dude was in the fucking military, came from yeah, a really stable yeah. home. He was like gun ho army. Fuck yeah. Army, right? I think it was army. Yeah. Like fuck yeah, army. And then was like, um, 
I think he studied math and science in school. <laughs> He's just not, I mean, not what you would it's have expected. Very, very smart individual. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. not. Well, that's kind of evidence when you take, what was that video that you, <clears throat> you oh, shared with us? So, uh, the, the whole, speaking about the math and science. Oh, the, 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 oh are, are you talking about lateralists? Yeah, the polyphonic oh, video. Yeah. Uh, what he did about no. Have you ever seen this? So there's a YouTube channel called Polyphonic, and this guy like takes uh, like he's done a, a video on John Bonham and yep. like the mathematics of John Bonham's drumming, and mm-hmm. he did he did this breakdown uh, like and broke down that that lateralis the the syllable strikings within the song oh, the perfectly fi- fit the, fi- the mathematical the composition of a spiral. Yeah, yeah, the, the Fibonacci, yeah. Fibonacci sequence. sequence. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's not, and, and that's, that's I not mean, accidental. To, to the exact well, T. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. That's, <laughs> that's not accidental because if you look at, no, it's, it's absolutely if you're, purpose. you're, well, yeah, you're and, a Tool and, fan. I mean, I the was song, not. the song is singing "Spiral Out." And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. The lyrics. These are the things. These are the things that apparently they set out to do, and what, which is why it would take years for them sometimes yeah. come out with albums is they wanted all of this backstory and all of this like synergy to happen. And, um, since you, since you send us that, like it was like a few weeks ago, I have been like watching all these videos, but theirs is the most interesting because a lot of times after he has posted those videos and you read about like, okay, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But then there's like the amount of theory sites and conspiracy sites about tool is mind numbing yeah. on the internet yeah. i was like this would take me months to research like months and months and months to go into the layers of this band so if you are not yet a tool fan or if you are someone like me who listened to tool heard them on the radio liked them appreciated their music may have bought an album or two i encourage you to actually go in a little bit further and the it it would take me months actually to put yeah. together like a whole you know VH1 story or whatever the fuck because the 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 layers between so every every member of Tool and I and I will say that even though you know I pointed out Maynard because he seems to be the most extravagant um and the most avant-garde, but they all are, and they are all interesting yep. on their own, and they all have their own very interesting stories and their own reasons for not only being with the band, especially early on, staying with the band, writing the music that they do. A lot of them have written lyrics. It's not every every single band member that writes lyrics every time or chosen the theme or chosen the artwork, by the way. Or said, hey, this is my favorite artist, and I want his artwork to be displayed, and dude passes away two years later. The theories that go along with this band are unbelievable. And I believe most of them to be true from what I looked at. You know, I mean, these are just, I think this is a, a great show of a group of very complex individual artists. True artists avant-garde artists a little before their time for sure that happened to come together and i'm interested to see what's going to happen i hope they continue and you know personally not even just now but like 10 years from now as they get older as humans and individuals you know we all know how that changes music and how that can change 
a musician. I'm really curious to see what what they would put out like 10 years from now, 15 years from now. I, I do believe they'll still be around. That I find fascinating. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, I, lo- I love the band. I love their music. I connect with it on so many levels, but it's the Easter eggs. It's the intricate details that they throw into every aspect of what they're doing that, that, that I gravitate towards. Like you take uh, Danny Carey, his side project with Pygmy Love Circus. It's, it's great. It's great music. Um, but they, their album artwork tied in with the lateralist artwork, how it's um, the onion skin of the, the human anatomy or whatever. If you overlay that on top of the Pygmy Love Circus album cover, it it it, it opens up even more. I mean, just oh my gosh. just just that that I didn't even know that. Yeah, awesome. just yeah. that just that kind of just quirkiness that no one would ever think of unless someone told them about it. Like just that that that's the kind of stuff I love. Yeah, there's so much. So what? So who's the? I'm sorry, I'm what? just wondering who was Maynard the brainchild or the. <clears throat> the mastermind behind their music videos because their music videos are on a most completely most of that level. most of that was adam yeah. jones um because he's okay. ac- he's actually a special effects uh artist mm-hmm. um he's done a lot of stuff i think he did stuff for aliens and yeah, a bu- he, bunch yeah. of other big really? movies yeah. Yeah, yeah wow okay but he said that he tried to it for lot i mean i'm gonna sound cheesy here but distill maynard's thought process <laughs> and <laughs> His vision. And I don't know how I could ever approach to do that if, you know, I mean, I have, I have had to sit with clients in a corporate environment and go, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm going to have to turn that into something (laughs) visual. Okay. And it's going to have to sell something. Cool. Um, Fuck. I don't know how I did that, but he did an amazing job. Absolutely. Yes. That's the interesting thing about all of their backgrounds too, is they're all artists in their own right. Other than music, actually, which is very yeah. Interesting. I mean, Maynard's making wine now, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah, a long yeah. for a long time, actually. Yeah, I yeah. think for quite a while. Yeah, so, over in Arizona, he owns a vineyard. Brett, what was what? Why of all bands? You know, for me, if I had been asked, like, "Hey, be on this podcast, what band?" It would have taken me a really long time to decide what <laughs> band. <laughs> you were so quick to say Tool, like just like bam, Tool. Why? Yeah. Because of this. I mean, how, how can you not? Like, there's so many levels to them. Um, I mean, and it, it, they've been my favorite band for decades. Um, and I've, I've been wanting to talk about it for, for so long. And so when you mentioned, like, that, let's pair some music to with it, I'm like, yep, yeah, boom, that, that's going to happen. Because there's just, you can talk about it for days and just not even touch the surface. And it pairs yeah, perfectly. Right. It pairs perfectly with whiskey for the same exact reason. I mean, there's just so many hmm. intricate levels. You're absolutely My right. My wife. Before, uh, so we're we started recording an, an hour earlier than normal tonight, and my. My wife was like, "Oh, so you probably get uh, you probably be done recording a little earlier than too." I was like, nope. Yeah, no. Not this topic. Nope. Not a chance. Not gonna happen. Nope. Nope. So, so, so bit bit of trivia. What was the first <laughs> song that Maynard ever did vocals on? Oh shit! I saw. That. I can't answer it. I know. I, I you, know you, you you mentioned the band earlier. I don't know it. Uh, Green Jelly. Yes. 
Yes. The three right. little pigs. He was the not by the hand yeah, yeah. my chinny chin, my chin, 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 chin. Really? and that's, that's where um, Oh my gosh. See yes. for me green jelly Crazy. green jelly will, will always be the bear song from Dumb and Dumber. Whoa. Okay, see <laughs> yeah. that's funny because yeah. that's funny because you're that that shows like the age thing, which I find very interesting. Uh-huh. Um so that's where Sylvia Massey comes in who actually was their producer and engineer because she engineered green they were called green jello first and then they became green jelly and green jelly came out the same time as south park and they were actually one of the first bands to appear on south park and i just happened to be at a friend's house i was living in san francisco at the time and he had just come up from la and he was working on um he worked for mtv I can't remember in what facet. It doesn't matter. And he was like, oh, you got to watch this new, it's this hilarious show. Because one of our, the bands is going to release a video. And they were doing this, like, video, like, combined with a South Park episode on MTV. Like a co-whatever-the-fuck thing. And I had never seen any of them. And I just laughed my freaking ass off because it was Primus. And I recognized it was Primus as, like, yeah. the South Park theme. And then yeah. <laughs> Curry Jelly, it was, like, the first couple of episodes. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Then I remember much later somebody saying that um, Tool is connected to Green Jelly. And, like, um, Maynard was in Green Jelly. And I was like, oh, my God, stop it. Because I actually liked them. <laughs> Weirdly. That's my favorite My favorite scene in that movie is when they're fucking in the, in the diner. With that guy, and they put the atomic peppers in his hamburger, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. just yep. yeah." <laughs> How's your burger? <laughs> yeah, and he, takes a, and he takes a bite, and then the song starts playing. Yeah, but imagine like imagine you're a small child at the time, and this is what you see on your television. You see Tool's sober video, okay, yeah. <laughs> and you see the Green Jelly vid- music video. Um, was it Little Pig? Was it called Little Pig? Was Three it? Little Pigs, Three. yeah. Three yeah. Little Pigs. Three Little Pigs. Yeah. And then, like, there's South Park, which was on, be- by the way, in the fucking afternoon at first. Like, it was the yeah. a- it was mm-hmm. an afternoon show. And this is what you're supposed to as a child. Like, yeah. I wish I was. Because I think as a kid, I would have been like, oh, my God, somebody gets me. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely don't put toys next to the whiskey bottles. Oh, no, never. <laughs> so bad. That's- you can you can kill a kid named Kenny every episode, <laughs> yeah, on a, right, on a cartoon. But but God forbid, <laughs> and have kids like hanging out of a school bus, you know, with Primus. But, but God yeah. forbid a stormtrooper. Oh jeez, which, which, no. which is an adult, which is an adult, ex- which is an adult yeah. in a costume. Don't do that. <laughs> At all. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a photo shoot with a fucking stormtrooper and a bottle of whiskey and a camel cigarette and a fucking plushie of a camel. And right. We're, we're going to hold you to that. Okay. You want to see yeah. it? You have a week. I'm going to do it all of it. <laughs> done. It's going to happen. Shall I don't even done. smoke. Shall have it done by tonight. <laughs> no. He's <laughs> still tomorrow. I don't smoke. <laughs> but I'll do it no, anyway. <laughs> what you should do is have like have the figurine of uh, of of Leia in the the bikini outfit. Yeah, really, just to really piss everybody off. Yes, that's objectifying I, I do, I women. I do of have that figure. <laughs> as do I. I do as well. And you know the reason I bought that figure actually 
I bought that much later in life after she was interviewed about <laughs> I bet that. You did. Shut what? up, Jacob. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have it. I have it in my head. <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we won't go there. Anyway, <laughs> the point is being when she said she was first interviewed as a very Remember how young I said girl, I saw Star Wars for the first time when I was a teenager. Shut up, Jacob. <laughs> are you embarrassed? She, she was asked, are you embarrassed by the image of you in the bikini with Job of the Hutt? And she said, no, not really. Then later, about 20 years later, she was asked the same question. She said, Fuck no, and it was censored, of course, because I choked that motherfucker with a chain while I was in that bikini, yeah. <laughs> and oh, I was yeah. like, yep. yes, and that's when I bought the figurine. <laughs> I was like, that's my bitch <laughs> right there. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah, <laughs> bam. And I also knew she always hated that bikini, but anyway, yeah. So but we all loved it. <laughs> well, of course yes, we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, I was 13 when Return of the Jedi came out, so go figure. So was I, or I was 12. You weren't 13. Wait, how old are you? I we're was not- born in 1970. <clears throat> we're only so two years know. apart, dummy. Hey, I was 20 when I, I first 11. saw it, so <laughs> do it that way you wish. <laughs> Whatever, youngins. Phoebe Cates and the Metal Bikini. We've d- we do, we touched on that. Scenes. We will do that. Actually, <laughs> that that is saved for another episode talking about the best '80s music movies for sure. Oh. And we will do the obviously the Phoebe. I I don't know. We already touched on the, the yeah. We talked fast about times. Like, yeah, the but most iconic songs like Leia for like a in the bikini versus Phoebe Cates. You can't you can't rival those. You just can't. It's not possible. Sorry. Leia would win every time. What cars? What cars song would have fit with Princess Leia's part in the movie? <laughs> Car song? Oh god! What tool song would have fit with Princess Leia? There we go. Movie? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, actually, tool tool songs could could fit in the Star Wars movie. Very much so, I think. I mean, a, what, a be, tool Star Wars mashup would be? Oh my goodness! Oh my god! That yeah. has to be out there. In it has to be. It's gonna be incredible. I mean, I mean, I can think. I don't know. It depends on your theme, you know. Like I focus on the fact that she shanked Jabba the Hutt. You guys probably focus on her in the bikini. There's like a few different things happening there. Not that I didn't focus on that too. To be completely honest, hook um, her with a penis. <laughs> Yes. Oh, Matthew. This is why I love you. (laughs) Stink fist. Okay, that's what I was going to say. But all right then. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, okay. So, to pay the most respect to the band tool, we've gone through the timeline. We've talked a little bit about Maynard. We've talked about how we feel about the band. You know, being avant garde, <laughs> if I can speak properly, artists themselves. What mm-hmm. do you think we have not touched on? Because there's so many layers to this band. But for the, the two of you in the room, especially our special guest tonight, who wanted to discuss this band, are, is there something that you don't feel gets touched on or discussed? Because those are the things that I really like to focus on in this podcast. Whew. 
from a visual standpoint, I mean, you touched on the the um, the videos, but the the album artwork, yeah, every album is just mind blowing. Uh, from the onion skin of Lateralus and the um, the hologram of Anima, and then the uh, whatever that the three D SpectraVision or whatever it is of uh, Ten Thousand Days. I mean, they're they're reinventing the wheel pretty much every album. And like I'm a I'm a especially when it comes to whiskey. Like I'm a uh, a packaging nerd, and so they're just taking it to to the next level. Yeah, I think that's. Uh... That's actually because they're, they're, you can't find them on you can't listen to Tool on at least maybe you can and I just haven't on Spotify or on Prime Music. No, they they boycotted all which that. Is, yeah, but it's also kind of cool because it it I mean I guess you can listen to their albums on YouTube and stuff, but at least you you tend to see some of the album art in the video when you're on YouTube at least. But it, it doesn't, almost doesn't, doesn't drives it, it's not the same, but. Yeah. By them not being on those streaming services, it forces you to go buy the album and be able to see, because it is, it's a package deal. You're getting incredible art and design on top of the music and all that technicality and and everything that's gone into it. So it's... So I to add to this point, and also debate this point. So being an artist myself, originally, I'm a graphic artist. I'm a photographer. I was an illustrator. Um, also a musician, and I own a record label. And those things were very important to me at the time when I felt they were very important. And these days, and, and again, this has come up a lot on this podcast, I don't purchase music anymore in a CD format, in, a, in vinyl even, Um I used to have a huge vinyl collection and then I, you know, my life kind of changed and I got rid of a lot of what I owned. I stream everything. Mm-hmm. I don't even like download purchase mm-hmm. albums anymore. I just pay to stream because to mm-hmm. me, I can listen to freaking everything in the world. However, as we've discussed and we are going to have an episode, we're going to have several episodes discussing this in the future. You know, how does that affect small bands? I always digitally download indie bands from their own websites because they know that they get they make more money from that and that's very important for them but i'm going to raise a point that is going to come up in a in a future news um metal rock and whiskey news segment that a band has decided since they understand most people are purchasing their music to stream or digital download, and they're not really looking at artwork, but artwork is important to them, they've decided to do a series of illustrated comics on their YouTube channel. Hmm. And I think that's so cool, because I feel like for a band like Tool, where I might definitely like download their music if I didn't have the choice to stream it, I, I think I would certainly pay to download it. But... Do I care about the album cover and that? It's no, no. That's yep. it's irrelevant, you know? But if they were like, hey, and you can see our artwork on this YouTube channel, I would totally go there and watch whatever it was they had. Was, was it videos or just like, you know, like their artwork, you know, streamed or whatever? I would be super into that. And I wonder if that's where things are going 
these days, especially for a visual bandly tool. Queens of the Stone Age did that uh, a while back for I think it was like Clockwork, mm-hmm. and uh, yes. and that was that was the first time I had seen like those teaser videos, and they the artwork was just mind blowing and added to the to the music so much. Um, I originally I was like, oh, this is kind of cheesy. Like, why do I care about a video at this point? That's not a music video, right? It's just artwork thrown into like. And, but but to this day, I still can't listen to that album without seeing that artwork. So do you mm-hmm. do you watch music videos? Do you have knowledge. a place? I don't. Where you, I normally. Don't. I don't either. I don't know. But anymore. but I, but I was so excited mm-hmm. for that album that I was watching any teaser video possible. Right, and I, and I feel like I did watch videos when MTV was a thing. It's how I was turned on to some bands. It was yeah. how I was turned on to music. Period. Or how I like I heard the band on the radio, but I got more of an appreciation for them from their video too. And I feel like I mean I don't have cable. I have no idea what MTV does these days because I don't have cable. I don't. I'm not in that realm anymore. But as I was researching a future news episode, there was a band that was like, "Hey, we're coming out with a new album. Plus, we're doing the six series like comic thing visually on YouTube, and they've." illustrated hmm. all of it and done the voices and i'm like that's fucking amazing like yeah. why doesn't everybody do that like cool i'm not buying your shit on a i'm not watching videos on mtv because do they even do videos <laughs> i don't know i'm also not gonna buy your album but if you do a youtube video along with your like release whether it's digital download or to stream yeah fuck yeah i'm gonna watch that that's awesome yeah. so like i i found that really exciting for, just for me yeah well, yeah, YouTube mm-hmm. is the new MTV. MTV is an MTV name. MTV is just some reality channel. Yeah. I don't know yep. what they do, no. what they're about, but yeah. But no, yeah, I right. am into videos, and I have discovered some bands through YouTube. Just you know, as Jake mentions, the YouTube rabbit hole. It's easy oh, to go man. down, especially yep. <laughs> once you start watching music videos. Unleash the Archers. That's a perfect example of one of the latest bands mm-hmm. I discovered through their YouTube videos. That YouTube spiral, man. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. so then I think I think what we've discussed is like you know, tool as a band musically, and then visually is very important. I think I would agree with you, Brett, that for me, how I was turned on to Tool was visually. It was MTV. It was I was I did not know them during their EP. It was their first album. When I saw Sober on MTV, I was like holy shit like (laughs) whether i liked the music or not i couldn't turn away from the video because it was so compelling but i did really like the music and i went out and bought their album and then i was kind of hooked after that um but i also like kind of saw them as visual artists yeah yeah they're they're, they're this weird combination of all that yeah and i what i love about like their open their nice long like 10 15 minute songs is like they don't do guitar solos no they're just it just no, no. it yeah. just you're right noises and i love that like <laughs> as as a guitarist i was like oh i don't have to be eddie van halen like i can actually just <laughs> right. just be creative with sounds i'm i'm all for that <laughs> that's so true i love bands that do that though i mean Yes, I, I mean for many reasons that we're there isn't the cookie cutter thing going on. Yeah, yeah. And those the bands. There's more just. No, I was just gonna say, 
sorry, it's more just like uh, riff change in different time signatures and stuff mm-hmm. like that more than it is like, hey, let's focus on this one guy, just shred it for a little bit, which is, you know, all well and good in its own too. But I, I love what, what they do when they just take you on a journey mentally. Yeah. And no, zone out. no one knows, <laughs> no one knows how to just break down a song and then build it back up like them. Like there, there could be like silence for five minutes and we we're, we're just sitting there listening waiting for Maynard to kick in you mentioned you mentioned Floyd before and Floyd at least to yeah. me I made that connection is that they Absolutely. were kind of like that yeah 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 mm-hmm. well and to to, to very bring, abstract bring yeah. a couple things together uh you know from a breakdown standpoint and that whole like visual experience and everything when um <clears throat> when I saw them at the 10,000 days tour and it was funny because I'm normally not a huge fan of arena type shows but this was a a situation it was uh, the shows at the Palace Auburn Hills where the Pistons used to play the Detroit Pistons and uh, you're watching the show and for the first like three three songs ish it just looks like they're on a stage made of ice it's a blank white stage that looks like ice and of course you don't see maynard at all there's just the band out there and you can hear him obviously so playing the songs uh the song the pot that was oh, on, yeah. on Ten Thousand mm-hmm. days it gets into that breakdown and anybody that knows the song knows that it just jams right back in yep. right so again they're standing on this blank white stage that looks like ice where you're standing and if you know Tool, that's not outside the realm of reason that they would have a stage made of ice. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just something that they could do. <clears throat> well, right yeah. when, and there's this like black, dark curtain behind them. And again, no, no Maynard, just the band. So this whole thing's going down. And then right when it, bam, just hits right back into the main part of the song again, the... You re- the lights come out from underneath them because the stage was actually like an LED monitor. Instead of the lights shining down onto them, the lights came up from beneath them and were in the stage. And then the lights come from behind and you see like Maynard, but but all you see is that, you know, that spine caricature thing that's in, uh, it's that. It's mm-hmm. like that yep. and a microphone stand yep. and his head. And he's behind the band. It, 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 was, it was the coolest thing. I mean, it just it blew me away. And I, it's it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. And it's hands down the best arena show I've ever been to. It was incredible. It was absolutely wow. incredible. Damn. <laughs> Ten, right. I had not seen them. I, I don't. I had seen them for their first album at Lollapalooza. Or no, I saw them on the, yes, on the small stage. And then I saw them after they released their first album. I was in, shit, somewhere in Miami or Fort Lauderdale. And it was like a fairly big show, but close enough to be like, it was small enough. And I just thought, holy shit, like these dudes are they were like, you could just tell they were the real deal. And that was my experience with them. And then many years later, I saw them in it, like Jake, like you're explaining, a huge arena. So I could compare the two, which I think for me is always 
a good comparison. Can you pull it off in a small venue and in a large venue? Because those are two very different things. And I, saw, I them, saw them. It was hu- a huge venue and they killed it, of course. So I saw them, the first time I saw a tool together, like I saw a perfect circle. They opened for Nine Inch Nails uh, like, a, like a couple years prior. Um, but I saw the tool, um, the day Lateralist was released, they played a show in Atlanta um, at a small venue, uh, the Tabernacle. And then I saw them later that tour at a big arena. And like, it's just amazing that in the same tour, completely different shows and both just absolutely mind blowing. I think like the arena tour, they had the acrobats that hung upside down in front of the led screen, just dancing. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> is this, is it, is this really happening right now? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and then Maynard just it's, sitting there, just rocking out. And yeah, like, it's funny that you bring up Tool and Nine Inch Nails together because when you were talking about Maynard earlier, one person's name that came up in my in my mind that I was thinking about Trent who Reznor. it reminded me of was um, yeah. uh, Trent Reznor. Seems like a very, they'd be very similar. See, I disagree completely with that, actually. Really? Mm. Yeah, because Trent Reznor did not want to be a front man, ever. He was... He wanted to be a producer. He wanted to be a writer. I mean, but he's a, a real artist. I, I mean, know he is. I, like, yes. And I think and from, that... From that from that aspect. you know, From that aspect, I think I compared to the band tool, I would agree with you. Just from Maynard's standpoint, I would disagree. Okay. I don't know. Like, but I have the, a thing... But seeing them in concert, I can definitely, I, yeah. I can definitely yes. see that point, though. <clears throat> sure. they, they both yes. take the visuals to a whole new level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're I mean, they're I mean, avant-garde seeing, artists for sure. Yeah. yeah like what, when, when, when seeing them together, it, it was for the Fragile tour. And yes. like Perfect Circle was great. Like, and that was, that was before I even knew that the front man was Maynard. Like he came out and was yeah. like, oh, holy yeah. shit, I know him. <laughs> and, and I'm like five feet from him. Okay, cool. Um, but but then but then uh, Nine Inch Nails came out and lights went out. And then when the lights came on, like they opened up the stage like I had never seen before, and just had keyboards and just strobes everywhere. And it was it that was like the first show. I was like, oh, okay. Like there is more to see in live music than what I've been seeing. Like this is this is the next step. And, Absolutely, yeah. and yeah. that was the that was certainly the time for it. I actually went to college at Ohio State, and um, Nine Inch Nails is from Ohio, and so I saw them as a tiny band in a tiny venue before they blew up. Hmm. And the first time I saw them, I was like, "Oh, you know, you you can always tell." You know, mm-hmm. I think it would be hard pressed to find people that are like, "I saw, I don't know, fucking whatever, Leonard Skinner or whatever." They're like, "Oh, I thought they sucked." Like, it just doesn't happen. You know? You're always like, "They got something," you know. Yeah. I mean, cer- certainly hindsight is twenty twenty, but um, I saw them and I, I was like, "Oh, okay." And they played at this this place where, you know, I wish I had gone more. Like looking back, but it was like the crazy punk place where like. It was like legit crazy, and the bands played inside a cage because it was crazy, like <laughs> super weird. Time. Like on the Blues Brothers? Yes. No, no, no. And, uh, no, like in a scary, no, in a, like a scary movie situation. I don't even know. It's like, it's stupid Ohio, but like this place tried to be like, oh, we're scary. Our bands have to be caged, which was total bullshit. 
But, like, there are people with mohawks, and I'm just, like, a kid. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so cool we have mohawks, and the band's on a stage. Ah, it's scary. So, <laughs> and I, <laughs> that's where I saw them, and that's actually where I saw Tool after that in a much larger venue. They were together, but I felt like um, there, I, I don't know, for me, I felt like there was a difference, because I do feel like Nine Inch Nails is very, it's Trent Reznor, period, end of story, and he has a band mm-hmm. with him. I don't necessarily feel like that with Tool. That's just me. Fair I don't enough. Know if you guys yeah. agree? No, I can. I can see mm. that. I, I feel like there's more of a synergy happening with Tool, right? Like it's, yeah, it's a full thing. Yeah, yeah. As it's opposed a, to Trent Reznor, you can tell it's. You may call it Nine Inch Nails, right. but it's him, and there's a yeah. band behind him. Yeah. Tool, tool is Tool. Nine, Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor yeah. and Friends. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. every yeah. album is Trent Reznor literally playing Trent, Trent all Rez- the instruments. Trent Reznor and the Nails. Yeah. He records all of it himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he is the Nails. And then there's the Nails yeah. that follow him. Yeah. I don't, I don't, and, and I think, I, I think, you know, it's funny now that I mentioned that. I think a lot of people might feel that way about Tool, though. Because Maynard has become such an enigma, True. such a personality, yeah, they may he's, feel he's that figure. oh, it's, that's, it's Maynard that's, but, and the band. But I don't. But that we know that's not the case. Yeah, I, that's I don't think that's one hundred percent what I thought for the first few albums, and then as I started diving in, I was like, oh wait, no, like they they are a lot of the creative force behind it, and Maynard. Well, is and just I think I think the, I, I the think genius that, on top. Uh, yeah, something else that might have you know perpetuated that idea is when he went off and did. Uh, the perfect circle project and a lot of the songs had a very similar that kind of tool feel and that might have made people think too oh well he must be the brains behind tool because now he's in this other project and it it sounds you know it's tool light yeah it's It's very similar yeah 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 that that's that's a fair point i mean they've always you know said hey we're gonna give a perfect circle time to release and record and tour and whatever and sure because it's Maynard but <clears throat> fair point and I, I think that you know hopefully for some of the listeners out there um, maybe they'll just like listen a little bit differently or research a little bit more I know I will listen again. I am looking <laughs> forward to going out and listening to some of these albums from front to back because um, yeah I Buckle up. I can't believe I missed them <laughs> as much as I did in the 90s. Holy and the conspiracy. So, so the are, conspiracy. Are, we, are, we, yeah. are we naming favorite albums or, or what's the deal here? Ooh. So, okay. Normally well, we do it's that. It's easy for me. I yeah. mean, normally right. we do that. If you want to do that, Brett, that's up. I mean, oh, it's your show. Boy. That would be great. Right, let's go around the horn then. I mean, I'll, start, <laughs> I'll, I'll start it off. It's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer with Anima. It's right. it's got it's got the the technicality of their other music. It's their first real dive into kind of the more prog genre, but it still has that raw grit, grittiness, and it's kind of like a nice mixture of everything that I love about about their music. <laughs> I think Lateralist is amazing, um, but I feel like it's it's a little bit too. Too produced and too precise. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting. We 
<laughs> Isn't wow. it, guys? It reminds me. Have you ever heard of that about a Metallica album? Just saying. <laughs> anyway, go back to what we're talking about. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So I go, I go with Anima. All right, Ed. I am too much of a novice to tool to say which album I like. I just listened to a bunch of their songs. I have no idea what Fair album any of them are on. Fair well, well, what what was a, a, a song Fair or two enough. that that maybe struck you as as your favorite of their songs? Oh, I can think of a a, a few like like Schism. I know was one that that was really cool. Um, ah, shoot, it's it's hard to for me to think of an actual song. Sober's got to be one of them. Sober, yep, yep, definitely sober. I mean that, um, that's fine. It was this was a surprise. But yeah, but yeah, I yeah. remember you know I I heard them on the radio in the nineties. Um, you know, thought they were good. I never really took the time to really dive into them, but now that I have. It's like, give mm-hmm. me more, yep. give me more, give me more. Uh huh. So yeah, I'm just beginning my tool journey here. Matt, you said it was an easy one for you. Matt, how about you? <clears throat> yeah. Um, undertow. Oh, nice. Because Preston like sex. it raw. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I don't like abstract, so Undertow is the album for me. <laughs> there are bits and pieces of the later albums that I like, but it's <laughs> to me complete album. Undertow for me is the album. So, Sailor, what about you? Or you want to go me, Jake? Oh, Sailor. I mean, I uh, no, I'll go. I have to also say Undertow. Um. <laughs> Ladderless is amazing, and I would say ladderless, but I'm gonna get a little heavy for a second. A dear friend of mine who I grew up with as a kid um, was a huge Tool fan, and we saw Tool during Undertow together. He turned me on to them. He was nuts about them, and he passed away actually it during like right after the album came out. Right? Mm. It was during that year, two year period. It connects me to that. Um, so I honor him, and he was awesome. Uh, so for me, it's Undertone. I, it, w- without all of that, I may have still chose Undertone because it was my gateway to them, but Lateralist would be second. But for me, it's Undertone all the way for, for Jake. His name was Jake. Jake Sounds was awesome. To Jake. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. <clears throat> okay, Jacob. Speaking of Jake, I've 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 got to go with uh, I've got to go with the album that made me truly a Tool fan from from that casual listener that you know was interested and but it was really taboo and you know seeing kids that I knew with the shirts and hearing the stories and this and that going from that to being a true fan this this album is what did it for me and uh i mentioned the uh pronunciation that i thought it was which was i thought it was anima <laughs> it's as much as i it's it, i mean it's it's so difficult because i love this is one of those bands where 
I love every single bit of every album they put out. I can listen to any one of those albums and never get sick of it. I can listen to the whole album front to back and it's all good. But Enema is, it's, it's man. Yeah. 46, 46 and two was kind of that song for me. That was just, God, this is awesome. I, this is fantastic. Which is funny because now I'm 42 minus six. Oh, nice. H for the the song H for me for some is yeah. that that oh, man the build up for that is just <laughs> like no other like yeah yeah looks like we have a tie we have a tie we do. here we do indeed yeah. Ed's a tiebreaker he's got to pick an album <laughs> I'll have to get back to you on that one yeah two for two for undertow and two What's- for yeah, it sounds like it's gonna go to the face. It's gonna go to the Facebook group. Which uh, <laughs> which one they choose between uh, Anima and well, now that now that Brett's been pronouncing it Anima, I want to just pronounce it. Like <laughs> <laughs> it sounds. It just sounds so appropriate to it because it, it. I don't know. Yeah. So between Undertow and Anima, Anima. That's what it's come down to. I mean. That that's kind of uh, it's that's that fits our our normal motif of of albums. I think that we that we pick for bands, we tend to pick like two of the earliest yeah. albums that a band picks puts puts out almost every time. But they're so they're so but they're different, very though. different. Yeah, they're so different. looking at all the these album albums, covers, yeah. you know, yeah. the one album cover that always comes to mind when I hear about Tool is because. I suppose this was a very popular T-shirt at the time in the early '90s. Was the seven two eight two six when you have like the wrench that looks like yep. a penis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's instantly what I think of whenever I think of the band. I still have that sticker on my guitar mm. case. Oh my! <laughs> Are we talking about stickers? I have the Tool sticker on my amps. So oh really? From like. The nineties. Oh my god. Like a million years yeah, ago. Yeah, the wrench. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 The wrench with the mm-hmm. balls. Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> Ed, Ed said penis. <laughs> oh. So technical, Ed. Oh. That's why I love you. Penis. Love you, man. Not balls. <laughs> okay. So one one last bit of trivia or Maynard trivia. Yes. Do we yes. know the um the Rage Against the Machine song that Maynard is on. Rage Against the Machine? Mm-hmm. Nope. nope. Wow. Yeah. It's got to be early. I should have been prepared for trivia tonight. I'm totally not. Oh, man. In, in what capacity? Like a uh, backup? Or yeah, yeah. Just He's... Very much like his, his part in Three Little Pigs. It's just a small little like okay. bridge. That could be anything. It's off their first album. Oh. <clears throat> have you ever Googled Maynard Trivia, by the way, Brett? I have not. Oh, my God. I, 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 I can imagine there's some 
I can imagine that's quite a rabbit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I usually do that. So I do like I look at Wikipedia. I and and most of us we all do this. And then, but I I write the timelines, and then I do like YouTube to make sure I'm like getting extra. And then I go to their websites to see my fact checking. And then sometimes I'll do like the blah blah trivia name of the band and usually not much comes up it's like stupid shit that i already knew in, <laughs> so you was know he in bullet bullet in the head no is that no no which song was it tool trivia is absurd there are like a kabillion trillion <laughs> oh i like, can imagine i go on forever and ever here's, and ever here's some other <laughs> trivia does it know you. your enemy yes yes that's what oh. i was yes that's what i was nailed it yeah. Early rage. Yeah, <clears throat> I could like hear kind of that sound, yeah. but I couldn't. I couldn't pinpoint the title. Here's a here's a trivia question for you. But the did you know about Maynard is insane. It's yeah. so long. It's like did you know he were, he was offered in a role in the Panic Room? Did you know? Like I, I mean the the did you know for him is he's like has this weird like seven minutes of separation or whatever the fuck it's called mm-hmm. seven minutes six, seven 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 degrees. Six, six degrees six degrees, six degrees, degrees seven minutes, yeah. whatever seven minutes in heaven <laughs> clearly i was like i was the girl that liked seven minutes in heaven obviously anyway <laughs> did you know did you know that he graduated from a high school right here in the great state of michigan no shut up did not no. know Right up, uh, actually, right up where well, I used to have a cottage up up at Silver Lake, the sand dunes, and he grew up. Well, he didn't. Up north, he moved. He yeah, up north. I brought it up. We got to yeah. stay here in Michigan. You go up north. <laughs> he 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 graduated from a high school uh, just right outside of where uh, Silver Lake is in Scottsdale. Oh well, so. And there's that's in the middle of nowhere up there too. There's like nothing. If you're into Cabernet Sauvignon, he apparently makes some incredible cab or grows oh. grapes for it. If I Just go you know. on, that's usually where I go. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he. I'm sure he doesn't make it. I'm sure somebody else does. No, he's legit his name making it. it. Oh it's no, like him. he it's is all the grapes. He is intense hands into up, his hands wine. On. Yeah, oh, no, he's actually definitely. making it. So he grows yeah, yeah. the grapes. He. Huh. Um, I don't think he can be a part of something that he doesn't really yeah, fully. And, yeah. Andy, no, no, no. He is. Yeah. He's not only growing them, but he's producing the wine as well from his own grapes, and he's like very yeah. serious about it. But a friend, a friend of mine went to the the vineyard and tried it. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've heard only amazing things about it. But his, if you if if you just Google him, the the fan sites on oh, theories. And the trivia, <laughs> and the the conspiracies alone. I do not have enough time to. D- I mean, we can all come back together if you want, Brett. We'll revisit. We can have another whiskey, and we'll talk about like the conspiracies because it's it's an entire show. There are tons yeah. of them. Okay, it's here's amazing. here's a from from one conspiracy laden <laughs> figure to another. <laughs> there we oh. go. Hold on. He killed Jeff. I've, I've got I've got another trivia question for you. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Why did Yoda use a cane? <laughs> In what? In what episode? All of them. No, he did not use a cane in all of them. No. Well, well except for the... the no, yeah. Well, we won't Don't count the, uh, the prequels. Well, Even though he was, was, because he was 900 years old. While he was alive. Yeah, he was while he was... Old. Yeah. Well, but no, there's a actually specific reason. Because listen, I mean, if you look at when he fights... Uh, Count Dooku and the Emperor, 
He's oh, flying true. all over the place. He obviously yeah, he, doesn't need... he tosses need. aside the cane it's, and goes nuts. It's, yeah. it's yeah. not because he physically needs... He didn't need it! He was training with. Skywalker! <laughs> Duh! Do you want the answer? Yes, yeah, and then there's, yeah. he didn't have the cane because, in every episode. No, because the cane actually uh, held something. What? Did you know this? What does it in, hold? It's, it's in... Uh, it's in uh, the uh, the other Star Wars canon. The in- information in a novel or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that Crystal doesn't Man. count. If you're talking about like <laughs> the Gilmer stick, that does not count. That doesn't count at all. What, it, it, what does it contain? It contains a uh, uh, a fluid that is like um, it nutrient rich fluid that <laughs> also helps with healing. I can't remember the name of the word. Or okay. That, the Gilmer stick. Jedi jizz. Is that what it is? No, it's a Gilmer stick. Jedi jizz. <laughs> you say Jedi juice or Jedi jizz? Jizz. The Jedi jizz would be way cooler, by the way. The Jedi jizz would be way cooler. So what is it? What lame. is it? It's Yoda's called the Gilmer stick. Be... I'm telling oh. you, fifty fucking times. So what is it? Oh, what? What he did? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was too busy building up to that punchline. Really. Right. So okay, so <laughs> it's also theorized that uh, that because the Jedi's live an ascetic lifestyle, that the, he doesn't want to just use the Force all of the time. No, it's his painkiller. It's his juice and painkiller. I know. Yes. Yeah, but, but he only has it. He doesn't have it for like his stupid up in the air fighting scene and the. In the episode you won't name. I hate I hate that scene. So is Thank he you. the most Me powerful too. is he the most powerful wielder no. of the force? Yes or no? No. No, 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 no. And I'm no, talking no, dark no. side and No talking anybody. Alright. <clears throat> Any side fuck no. Are you oh kidding God, me right no. now? <laughs> Brett, help me here. Yeah, he has to be close. I'm... He has to be close. No, he's not close. No. Huh? Top five. Well, five, there's not <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's, de- he's definitely a top 20. <laughs> I'm say, like, okay. Well, there certainly has to be something to be said that, I mean, he lived to be 900 something Who cares? That's like a, that's a simple shit in these days. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. Like, I mean, the most ben powerful Jedi, else? like, at this Darth moment, Sidious. if we're going to consider all the movies that have been released, Jedi, are we so. really going to go there? That would be Luke Skywalker. I mean, and then like his father oh. would be right oh. behind him. I mean, yeah, I'm You're sorry, put Luke but Skywalker yeah. Skywalker above Yoda? No uh, freaking yeah. way. No. Right now? Right based now? based yeah. on what, even though I hated it, based on what we saw in The Last Jedi, I would probably have to agree. Thank you, Brett. Love you. I mean, he, 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 I can't take go. that movie seriously. It doesn't matter. I, I, it breaks my heart. And, 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 that, and that's why I had to preface now. it with, like, even though I hated yeah, yeah. the movie. Why is there, yeah. why is there so much, that's, that's why is the there story so much hate for all of the movies outside of the Because if uh, you are a true fan. Okay, because if you are a true fan. No, you can't preface it like that. Because yes, you can. anybody can, you can be a true fan and still not hate the other no, movies. You, can't. you can no, just you can. enjoy them for what they no, are. I, I, no, I, st- I still enjoy. Yes, you can. Um, the Force Awakens, <laughs> even though it was essentially just a re imaging of A New Hope. But A Last sure. Jedi, we waited how many years? Oh. To encounter Luke as a yeah. 
as a grown up, right. right? Like, right. And we Too wait long. a whole episode, mm-hmm. and all we do is see him staring at a lightsaber. Yeah. And then we, <laughs> like, two years later, we finally hear him talk, and he's just an ass. Like he is. Yeah. yeah. But we, that I mean, wasn't the question, though. They destroyed the character. They did. Okay, but that wasn't that the was question. Yeah. Like the question was the most powerful. So if you want to go into the question of the most relevant, or has the, did the storyline do well through the years? Which this is what I'm going to say. Like Ed and I, similar in age, were you know they're there for the first of the first. Do I want it to be honored properly? Fucking of course I do. Do I think it has been? No. Do I think they're doing better now? Fuck yes. Okay, put that aside. That wasn't the question. The question is, Matt, yes, fucking Luke Skywalker. Sorry. Right now, as far as everything goes and the timeline, the storyline goes, it would be Luke Skywalker. But are you basing it? Are you basing it solely on what he did at the end of the last? No, July? I'm basing it on we. I just said all the move, the timeline, the timeline as it is right now in this moment. You can't discount any of the mm. movies, the movies, whatever movies. I'm talking timeline. We don't like but all he, the movies, and we don't like all the timelines. But it is what it is. But I feel. I, I feel I that. No. Based on how they're building up Ray and Kylo, I feel like they may be able to outshine him. I feel the same way. They haven't yet. But do I think that's coming? Fuck! Of course I do. That would be like the ultimate of the. (laughs) That would be the ultimate power ever. Yes. But Brett, to what you said before, I'm waiting for the showdown between because they're building to the showdown between Luke and Kylo. Are they though? We get a force. I don't think so. Of of Luke, no. and I'm waiting for this epic upon epic lightsaber scene, and I'm disappointed. No. I don't think it's not... gonna happen. Yeah, it, no. it doesn't. It doesn't happen. Ray and Kylo. Exactly. Exactly. Ray is yeah, Ray, and you, you think about no. the next one. Think, there's Luke you, and Vader, hold and on. then there's gonna be Ray and Kylo. Exactly. As much exactly. as we dismiss, as much as we dismiss episodes one, I vote two, Yoda. and three. <laughs> they were great lightsaber battles in all three of those movies. So I'm waiting yep. for the great lightsaber battle in Last Jedi, mm. and it never happened. Mm-mm. It never happened. I don't know. Mm. The, light, the lightsaber battle in the in the cloakroom was pretty yes. epic. Yes, I yes. agree totally. That was, okay, that yes. was the we're, only we're part. We're all that... waiting for Luke to have that yeah. lightsaber battle. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. but dude, come happened. on. Yes. Like Kylo killing Solo the way he did? How does yeah, that not just... move you? How is that not duel? I want a lightsaber duel. Yeah, that was that was that was a straight. I want that Obi Wan versus Anakin solo isn't going to duel. Was it a murder or was it a suicide? Oh god! Oh god! Here's Jake. This is Jake. Well, so uh, hello, metal rock and whiskey fans. I want to introduce you to Bourbon Spartan, which is Jacob, and Jacob does these things. I feel like we've just like jumped into episode six. Like we're just going to continue on here. This is what happens on our show. I don't know if you've listened to it. Eventually, no. Eventually, what'll happen is Ed will just go. Ed will just go wrap it up. Yep. (laughs) Like he kind of just does that. Like the adult in the room. He lets us drink and bullshit and like go off in a tangent. And then he's like, okay, we're done. Hey, we're talking about Star Wars. I'm not going to bring you back. Oh, we're fucked tonight then. <laughs> now we're really in trouble. Fuck that. <laughs> so, I mean, 
I'm such a hardcore fan that I have it fucking tattooed on my body. There you go. And I have a lot of tattoos. And you and some people may think, oh, it's easy to get a tattoo. Who cares what it is? No. Every motherfucking piece of ink that I realize I'm going to be, I hope, in my 90s one day. And this shit's going to be on my body. I have thought it out. And this Star Wars tattoo is not the first and will be the last. It's very serious okay. for me. So I take all of this More very seriously. Especially because, for me, having been born a gazillion years ago in the prehistoric era, I did not have a lot of female role models that were warriors, but I had Princess Leia, and I had Wonder Woman, and that shit's super fucking important to me, and I love that, I love that their legacy lives on. Whether I agree with the movies or not, I think the new Wonder Woman movie sucks. But that's just me. Oh, that's a whole other discussion. But anyway, having that said, okay, that. Know, hold on, no, no, no. So, so should we have should we have a duel? Two no. polls. No. Listen, well, the one poll Jake. is to decide the the album battle because we did have a tie, and Ed won't do the tiebreaker. <laughs> so the other poll could be who is more powerful. Who was more powerful in their time, Yoda or Luke Skywalker? No contest. Wait, what? Well, I'm sorry. What do you mean in their time? Yeah, what's in their? Well, because time? you have to put their, you While have to put their alive. their yeah. achievements up against each That's other. That's dumb. That's not even relevant. Who, how is it not relevant? Because it's Jedi against Jedi. You should be like dark side yeah. against Jedi. That's stupid. Jake, come on. But we were just talking about who was the most powerful Jedi. One died before the other. Like, way before. One gave is, up his is, is life Luke, force forged is for Luke. Is Luke really dead? No, but... but Will we see him come back in the next yes, episode? as we saw Yoda did, Absolutely. but Yoda gave up his life force for Luke, as Luke gave up his life, life force for who well, we know. I don't know yet. That's why I don't think that's a fair assessment. If you want to do a one against a one, you got a light side against dark side. I'm sorry. I can't. It, it doesn't make sense. All right. We'll, we'll have to save that discussion for <laughs> Metal Rock and Star Wars. Um, <laughs> See what happens? Episode. Dad gets mad. Dad is mad. <laughs> All right, Matt. <laughs> why don't you wrap this up for us? Well, are we... Are we listening to any new podcasts or shows or anything like that right now? <laughs> Who wants to go? Are we doing that? Or are we skipping that? <laughs> All right. Why do I always have geez, to be the one? Jeez, you went, you went right to me, but I went back to you. <laughs> I do my shout outs after you, Matt. Well, not you. I'm talking about Ed's oh. part where we... Go around. Yeah, guys, it's you. You guys are dropping the ball, not me. Woo. Well, that was an awesome discussion. Wait! <laughs> Wait! Scott Trooper. Yes. What's your favorite podcast? Uh, my favorite podcast at this point would probably be Dad Drinking Bourbon. Oh, I yeah. love We all love Good them. One. We awesome. Good one. We love those love guys. Dad's drinking Bourbon. Yeah. Yep. We love them. I was just chatting with John last night, actually. Fancy <clears throat> pants, Jake. Great guy. Name dropper. <laughs> well, I'll, you know what? 
I'll, I'll, I'll continue. I'll continue with this theme because a podcast that I that I've liked for a really long time recently featured uh, our guest also, and that would be the Whiskey Topic with uh, yes, Mark Blylock with, yep. with with Mark, and I really enjoyed that episode. I've been listening to those guys since since they started, and it's always been one of my favorite podcasts. It was one of the first whiskey podcasts that I got into when I first. Uh, you know, got into listening to whiskey podcasts. So. They were the first ones to ever have me as a guest. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Big shout out then. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, heck yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ed? What about me? Yeah. You know what? What's new in the world of tech? <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't actually listened to it yet, so this might be a little off protocol but i saw there's a new podcast called blue collar bourbon and i've been wanting to check it out and so i have no idea if it's any good but it's out there (laughs) and that was one i was planning on checking out so i just want to bring that up are they new or are you new to them i think from what i've seen it seems like they're a new well then let's hook them up newer podcast yeah blue collar bourbon all right Let's so, do it. Yeah. We're going to I think they've, like, their Instagram had been around for a while, and they, they had like been had. promoting, they had promoted this podcast, but you couldn't find it on iTunes, and it was just, like, website only. You had to kind of go to their yeah, website to like listen like to it. It's like Scotia Dummies' YouTube only right now. Yeah. No, they yeah. weren't on YouTube or anything. They oh, like, just okay. had to go to their website oh, and okay. click and stream. <clears throat> um, I think they obviously found that most people, I mean, for most people, that's a laborious journey all right well big, you? Sailor? sailor yeah well i mean so my big shout out for tonight is our favorite band when particles collide who i love them dearly oh, yeah. they are holed up in maine you guys for a couple weeks where they're originally from and if you guys don't know their music there are theme music beginning and end of mm-hmm. show it's when particles collide they were so gracious to let us use their song about whiskey and they don't even really play it live anymore they don't really use it so they were super fucking awesome i love them both to death and matt you have seen them live i have seen them live they rule live yes yes absolutely they They're own the awesome. shit every time they will play yep. yeah and they have actually decided to pursue their music and they're in our they're about our age group in their 40s and they decided like sasha is a um science teacher and um when particles collide it's kind of a play on that she's a chemistry teacher and they said you know what fuck it let's just try this let's go on the road let's be full-time artists let's see what happens and i mean it's been difficult and amazing and awesome and i totally support them and i hope you guys do as well also, my girls and the drinking darlings, we love them all here so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. Big time. And we mentioned Scotch Test Dummies and Dad's Always. Drinking Bourbon. How can you go wrong? Solid lineup. Yep. Ed? Where you went, Matt? <laughs> no! <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's my turn. Uh, 
<laughs> Lord. So, as I usually do, I bring up the television side of this whole, what have you been watching lately? So, um, any American Horror Story fans here? Why Never is this so funny? Oh, I've heard okay. of it. I love that this will be my legacy in life. I, I don't have children, but I will have grandnieces and nephews. And one day someone's going to fucking Google me, I hope, and this is going to be what they find. God. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God. does so I, American Horror Story? So, I, st- I started getting into it, and then I started seeing... Uh, Images of a clown, and I'm like, nope. Oh yeah, nope. Oh, God. nope. It's, it's a clown. Oh, nope. No, right. that's clown. five. No. That's five seasons ago. All right. And All right. What? clowns and kids. No clowns. Yeah. Clowns and kids. Whatever yeah. kids. Yes. Clowns. Yeah. No clowns. Anyway, season nine is uh, a season one and season three come <clears throat> together. You have season nine. So, all right, for you guys who know what I'm talking about. Go check it out. Season nine, American <laughs> Horror Story. <laughs> it's if a you don't like clowns, don't look at. Just don't watch season four. Just don't watch season four. It's fine. He said season four. Don't look at yeah. season four. Don't I don't like season. clowns. Okay. I'm a clowns. Watch yeah, one yeah. through three, okay. and I also don't five, like scary three, movies seven, at all. Yeah. So I was, I was to you know to digress a little bit. Um, so I was in Chicago uh, for a Glenfiddich kind of tasting, not kind of tasting, but we were tasting. Um, <laughs> and I, I, we get to the restrooms of the speakeasy and as it's Halloween night, we're, we're not dressed up, but we're all just drinking heavily. And there's six doors in this like black room. And the only door that opens the it, uh, no. Penny. Oh my God. No. Nope. Pennywise. Yeah. No. And, and not not the old Pennywise. It still kind of looked comical. It was the dude from the new one. No. Nope. Mm. I. I'm out. I I was about to piss my pants before getting in there. <laughs> I saw him. I'm like, I don't care how bad I have to go. I'm out of here. <laughs> just, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Feats don't fail me. Though. Yeah. That's totally me. <laughs> it was the worst. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we want to give a big thanks to all our listeners out there, and I know this episode has gone a little long, but that's because we had such an awesome guest. Yes! Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Brett, for joining us. We've had a hell of a time, and... God, this one's going to be hard to top. No, we're going to do this again and bring him back. We have to do the conspiracies next time. Yes. Join us next week. Yeah, Yeah, I'm totally coming back. For another episode. So we can do we can do the same format except we can do like Star Wars conspiracies and then no! conspiracies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we need to do the next format just tool conspiracies. That's like that's a show uh, of its own. Matt, Brett, right? Get us out of here. Well, yeah. if, if, uh, I'm down for either. If the listeners want to find you and see all your great work, where should they go? So they're. The main place is obviously Instagram right now, but as things are progressing, um, it looks like things are going to be going more towards the Patreon route. Mm-hmm. Um, so patreon.com um, slash scotch underscore trooper. Cool. And hey guys, right. if you're a fan of Star Wars or Scotch or whiskey or 
I don't give a fuck what you're a fan of. If you like me, because I curse all the time, or like our podcast, because I curse all the time, I don't care. Fucking Scotch Trooper. He's the yes. dude. He's yes. the man. You don't have to like us. You just have to like him. That's what we care about. <laughs> <laughs> That's what important. Yeah. Or, just or like, like him. Or, just like him, and you'll find us eventually. Exactly. <laughs> we don't care. Just like yeah. him. That's what's important. The end. It's like the Big Lebowski. Just it's join. Join my travels of just making whiskey fun. That's yeah. that's my goal. That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Awesome. Thank you guys. I, I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. And to all of our listeners, our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes. Please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, concerns, suggestions, <laughs> comments about the show. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. Yours truly at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Ed. And as usual, they can always find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. Jake. But Bourbon Geek's drinking scotch! Oh! <laughs> like the Wookiee says. Sailor? <laughs> no, Jake, me? Oh, okay. You can find me at Sailor Retro because. Keep up the tradition. Okay. <laughs> the wrong tradition. Sailor Retro is just about like. Drinking whiskey and metal and rock. And that's it. And fuck you, Lars. <laughs> oh, you can find me at uh, bourbon.spartan on Instagram. And uh, boy, this was, uh, this was a riot, guys. <laughs> this absolute riot. I'm going to have to. Yeah. That's an understatement. <laughs> Hopefully you guys all enjoyed as much as we did, but now our glasses are empty. Tip your waitress. We're out. Later, everyone. Cheers. Thank you, Brett. Thanks, guys.